On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt will channel Han Solo as he will be by himself today as Nick continues to enjoy a break. But worry not, the angry one has plenty of topics to wade through. He'll guide you through the latest Kenobi updates, including revelations from the cast and writers on its tone and how they prepped for the series. If you want to learn a bit more about Reva the Inquisitor, well then stay tuned because Matt's got a new leak to dissect. After the Kenobi talk, Matt will then move on to the Ahsoka series and a promise BDH made about it, as well as some news on Star Wars Visions and its second season. Of course, the show will end with the fan segment featuring question of the week responses and the latest Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! Ta-da! Hey now, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Star Period Wars Period Time Period Show. What is up? I see here in the live stream we've got some shit talking going on already, and that's what I like to see. That's right, Brando, I am by myself today. So it is only one Dingleberry, not berries. To greet you on this lovely but cold Tuesday Star Wars Time Show live stream. That's right, people. If you want to get in on the live stream, it's free. It's fun. And sometimes it can get a bit insane. We can do that on Tuesdays, 2.30 p. East, YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. That's right, I'm flying Han Solo this week. Nick is out doing his thing, enjoying the last day of his Easter holiday. I'm guessing he is arriving in his T-16 back in Austin currently, which is why he is not here today. So he'll be back next week. And next week, we may have a special guest for the first time in 2022. Um, if not the first time in a while, we, we kind of stopped doing our interviews around the fall of 21, just kind of chilled, went back to our roots, sitting around spitballing, shit talking about Star Wars. Uh, but Spuss Boss Spunky has been out there trying to line up some guests from the world of Star Wars. You know, not our lovely artist friends, but actual people that have worked in or on a Star Wars project. So... Hopefully we get things ironed out, but we're looking at Brian Sype joining the show next week. And that name may sound familiar to you because you've probably seen it a few times recently during the credits of Disney live action Star Wars properties, such as well, most recently the Book of Boba Fett, also the Mandalorian. All right. So that's the plan. It hasn't been fully nailed down yet, but uh, we may have a special guest next week. Get some. Um, yeah, we don't have to worry about Nick's shitty Windows beta version dropouts. That is correct, Bat. Good point there. But as always, we miss him. I miss him at least. Uh, the, the show is, is more fun for me doing it with Nick. Uh, the reason I did not sign up a co-host, one, I'm lazy. Didn't feel like dealing with it. Don't feel like, you know, hey, can you hear me? Can we see each other? You got to do this. You got to use that client. 
And two, uh, just knowing we may have a special guest next week, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to roll solo. Why not? Some people still find the show to be a bit entertaining when it's just me. Okay, so plenty of stuff to talk about today. That seems to be the theme when young Nick leaves. There, there always seems to be plenty of topics when he's gone and not many when he is here. So I don't know what that says about Nick and his luck or if he just kind of figures out that it's going to be a busy show and that's when he pulls the ripcord and schedules these trips supposedly in advance. Who knows, but lots to talk about today. I mean, a, a ton of stuff, some that I, I'm going to save next week for Nick, but I at least wanted to point it out just to let you know that, yes, this Star Wars narcissist does know about some of the new news that came out today, in particular about an upcoming Star Wars video game from a uh, developer in a studio that should get fans kind of excited for Star Wars video games. I know there's not much to be excited in that space these days. A lot of the projects we're dreaming about are still just concepts. We don't really have anything tangible yet, or, or we're just seeing cutscenes. Yes, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga has been fun, but it is a Lego Star Wars game, so it's not It's not like it's that... Um, I, I, I don't want to say it's not deep, because the game clearly has a ton of depth, at least in terms of all the options of gameplay and secrets to find and bricks to discover and new ships and characters. Uh, you know, I'm talking like a big, big boy, big girl type of Star Wars game, not named Jedi Fallen Order 2. Because as we all know on this lovely show, while I appreciated Fallen Order, I, I do not think it to be the end-all be-all of modern Star Wars gaming. I found Cal Kestis to be, as we have described him on this little show, as a milk toast Jedi, just kind of blah, and I hated the combat system. But... Yeah, you're you're right, Bat. I mean, the, the, there is something special about Lego games. And if you like Lego animated Star Wars projects or other Lego animated projects, you will enjoy the game because it just adds that uh, level of cheekiness to the Star Wars canon that we have all kind of identified Lego with. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about today. We've we got more interviews coming out from EW on Obi-Wan Kenobi, so I'm going to touch on those. Rupert Friend dropped an interesting comment recently when he was out pimping one of his shows. And, um, you know, I, I definitely want to touch on that comment from BDH about the Ahsoka series, which is going to tie into this new article about Hayden and his homework that he was doing for Kenobi. Lots of great stuff. If there's time, I'll also hit on uh, two comics that released last week that... If you follow the channel, hopefully you got those in your notifications. If not, make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel because we do put out some content every now and then that is not just the live stream. So uh, Star Wars 22 and I think Vader 22 released last week and they're both really good. It's been a while since the Star Wars comics have kind of held my uh, attention, but those two last week were, were pretty great, not only in adding new interesting canon for that time period in between Empire and Jedi, but uh, finally kind of tying a lot of the Crimson Rain threads together. So I, I, I had some fun reading comics last week. All right. You got it, one six shooter. One of these days, uh, you're a little late to joining, but one of these days I'm going to not be a lazy ass and, and try to get you in as a co-host on the uh, on days where Nick is out, but like I said, I was feeling lazy. We may have a guest next week, and I, I just didn't feel like dealing with it. 
there you go. And that's probably why, uh, that's one of the reasons out of hundreds of reasons why the show is not that popular. Because while I do put in a good amount of effort throughout the week, I probably could be doing even more. But it's really gotten to the point of I'm trying to, what is it, the, the law of diminishing returns, some concept like that. It really has gotten to the point of like, you, you, you've pounded your head on this wall of content creation for over a decade at this point with mediocre to below average success. So what really is going to change, right? We all, we all know the this, this saying about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, but I'll leave it at that. Okay, so uh, I can hear the kids back. Hopefully she's not bleeding through the mic too much. I'm sure she's going to come down and make her appearance for this week's show. But before then, I want to I talk about something awesome that I checked out last week in the pop culture sphere. You know, Nick and I, we usually like to give some recommendations on pop culture items that you may be able to view at home or from a movie theater. So this week, I want to talk about what I found to be one of the best movies I've seen in a long time, um, definitely in 2022, and that is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Starring the very talented Michelle Yeoh, and I, I had no clue that the her her cast was made up of so many famous actors from back in the eighties. But uh, her husband is is Short Round, uh, the little guy from Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, as well as the the Gadget Kid from the Goonies, finally came out of acting retirement to star in this movie alongside Michelle Yeoh. And I don't know, it it is. It's it's just a gem of a movie. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time pontificating on it, but it, it deals with the multiverse, all right? So it, it's got that going for it. It deals with families and the trials and tribulations that they go through as time passes, in particular relationships with kids and their parents and expectations either not being met or being exceeded. And how, uh, like, through generations, the way parents interact with their kids can affect how they're going to interact with their kids. So it, it just, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a wacky movie. Uh, it's a heartwarming movie. It's a touching movie. I mean, there's a good chance, depending on your family situation or your parental situation, I'm talking even your parents, you don't have to be a parent that it'll strike some emotional chords with you towards the end especially, uh, maybe get the eyes a little misty. But it's just, it, it's a wild ride through um, the Daniels' view of what the multiverse is. And um, in, in everything, everywhere, all at once, the multiverse, it, it, it's very different than the MCU. In, in MCU, it's like we've got all these universes where the same characters kind of exist, but they could be different. In this multiverse... Um, multiverses are created at every decision a human makes in life. So you, you could just start out with, let's call it Alpha Matt. And depending on decisions Alpha Matt makes, it will spawn other versions of Matt that will go on and do different things in life. And, and that's the premise with Michelle Yeoh's character. We kind of follow one of her versions. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say she is needed to help bring stability to the multiverse due to an act that her alpha self uh, kind of carried out in what they call the alphaverse. 
Uh, it's just, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's zany. I mean, at one point in time, we're talking about butt plugs are featured, people jumping on butt plugs, doing, uh, you know, like butt drops from the top rope, uh, people chewing gum off the bottom of desks to do things, eating chapstick. It is, it's wild, but it's serious in, in the same light. And, and that's kind of the brilliance of everything, everywhere all at once and it's not perfect it gets messy at times as it's kind of navigating the various multiverses that Michelle Yeoh's character um, traverses but it but it's cool I mean it's got like some matrix into it in that you know once you learn to tap into other versions of yourself in the multiverse you can instantly download their skills so there's some fun hijinks with that but in the end, like I said, it, it, it's the film's overall message that really kind of puts a nice bow on the overall presentation. Um, I don't know. Dare I say it's, it's a 10 out of a 10? It just may be. Um, just due to the creative take on the multiverse, uh, the zaniness of some of the moments and the hijinks of the, of the overall movie, but also the very poignant, uh, very human in nature message that it tells throughout so uh, this is one i highly recommend going to check out or as soon as it hits streamers you definitely want to uh, tune into everything everywhere all at once all right so there's my opening there there's really nothing else i've gotten into that people haven't already been checking out still going through halo I'll tell you what, top tier production it's getting a little slow it's it's weird i, I don't know if i I don't know if it's something, if it's a negative or what, but the Halo TV show, to me, it's almost like high art Halo, which I don't know if that's good, uh, but they definitely didn't skimp on the production. It's just, it's it's a much different tone than I expected for a live action Halo. It's, it's much more um, in tune with emotions and mystery versus just action in brawn. I can hear my little friend behind me. There she is. I told you she was on her way back. It's just me today, buddy. So I want you to get in there on the camera. There she is. She can't co-host, though. She's got some homework to do, right? And swimming later on. Anything you'd like to say and report in? What's that? What's this show? Well, today I'm just, I'm talking about the movie I went and saw last week. Remember the one I went and saw and told you it was really good? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. Then I'll get into the good stuff. Sound good? Yeah. All right. I'll see you later, little lady. All right. Yeah. So, um, sorry about that. You know, it, it happens. We love it. She's, she's a part of the show at this point in time. That's her little segment. But anyways, back to Halo. Like I said, it's um, by no means am I saying it's bad. It's just very different than what I expected. And it, it truly is, as, as Kiki has described it, Kiki Wolfkill, it is a, it's its own timeline. Whether you want to accept that not or not is up to you, um, but my goodness, have they dumped money into it. It's just a really well-done production. I just, you know, it'd be nice every once in a while to maybe see the, the Spartans in action again like we saw in the pilot, but so far, so good. Um, same with Moon Knight. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the Star Wars stuff, considering we are on a show called Star Wars Time. Uh, but before I get into my plan topics, th- this dropped just as I was kind of planning out the show here. Um, 
but this is this is big news, especially if you're fans of of titles like uh, Jack and Dexter, Uncharted, Legacy of Kane. But we got the announcement finally, and this has been rumored for years. I feel like, but Amy Henning, who um, was was one of the original creators of Uncharted, at the, I forget the name of the studio she started and eventually left. But it, it's finally been announced that uh, her the game that the Star Wars game that you know we've heard throughout the the Star Wars grapevine. They've finally have made it official. And uh, Amy Henning is now with Skydance New Media, and they are collaborating with Lucasfilm Games to develop a and produce, I'm just reading this at this point, a narrative-driven action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, so again, this is uh, going to be helmed by award-winning writer and director Amy Henning, who has credits that include Legacy of Kane, Jack and Dexter, and Uncharted. All right? Uh, I, I'm not going to spend much more time on that, but I just wanted to address it with everyone to let you know that, yes, this Star Wars narcissist is aware that this news dropped today, and I have um, talked about it. So that kind of checks one of my OCD boxes, which means I will live another day. Thank you. Um, but I, I plan to talk more on this next week if Nick comes back to the show. You never know. He is the celebrity. He is the diva. We have to accommodate him. Okay, so now let's, let's get into the real stuff here. Uh, like I said, EW, it seems like they're, they're just slow burning their coverage of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. They, they've been releasing content, it feels like, every week now, ever since the first trailer dropped. Which is nothing I'm complaining about. Uh, it does give me a little extra overhead to do and, and write up articles, but they're they're useful because you do get some insights from the cast, the crew, the writers, you name it. So um, last week and even today, we got one out there from a story on Hayden, which I, I love. I'll do that one next. But last week, we we got an update from EW in particular. It was an article on how Obi Wan Kenobi. It, it, the tone, and, and we've talked about this, it, it's going to be beyond hopeless to start. It, it's going to be, as, as they describe, a dark side-fueled period for the galaxy. Because remember, we're, this isn't Bad Batch timeline. We're, we're 10 years beyond. So the Empire has fully sunk it hooks, its hooks into the galaxy. And some heinous shit is probably going down. Not strike that. Probably we know there's some heinous shit going down. So... This article mostly featured quotes from Joby Harold, who was the writer that was brought in after what was his name, Hossein Amini. I think he's he was the first one, and and he'll he'll still get credits. But Joby was kind of brought in by um, Kathleen to tighten things up, make Kenobi not feel as uh, the Mandalorian-ish, you know, a warrior and the cub type of motif. And um, he, he gave us some, some quotes to think about, to speculate on what, what we might see. So here he, he kind of sets up how dire things are going to be at the start of Kenobi, which, which we've discussed based on some leaks and just our own, our own brilliance, really. You got to remember, when you listen to the show, you're listening to, at least from me, think of me as a... Now, I don't want to get any religious overtones in here, but I'm, I'm like a... A, 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 a shaman, a Sherpa, I, I, I come to you, you are a flock, and I learn you all on how to correctly decipher and follow 
Star Wars, that far, far away galaxy. So anyways, here, here's um, how things are going to be at the start of Kenobi. For everyone not named Emperor Palpatine, because clearly he's living his best life. Okay, so Joby says, It takes place ten years after Revenge of the Sith in a time of darkness in the galaxy. The Empire is in the Ascendancy, and all the horrors that come with the Empire being made manifest throughout the galaxy. And the Jedi Order, as we know them, are being all but wiped out. So everything that was in the prequels has crumbled. You know, for someone who doesn't like positivity and nice things like puppy dogs and ice cream, I, I really dig what Joby is saying. Um, I, I want to see a very depressed Star Wars period. And it sounds like this is what we're going to get. I mean, to me, it sounds like things are even worse now than, say, in Rogue One or in Star Wars Rebels or even in Solo. Because, well, I guess Solo is like two years after this. But my point still stands. Because if you, if you think about those timelines, there is a level of hope because the, the Rebel Alliance and its various cells are up, running, Kicking, screaming, I guess if, especially if you're a Saul Guerrero cell, you're doing a lot of kicking and screaming and punching and blowing shit up. But, but the galaxy was starting to kind of snub its nose at the Empire by the time of Rebels, Rogue One, then obviously things really start to get crazy for the Empire in A New Hope once the, um, the second Skywalker kit is found and added to the mix. But we really haven't, I mean, I, I guess you could argue we, we started to see uh, beginnings of the depressed galaxy and the ascendancy of the Empire during the first season of The Bad Batch. But even then, you know, people were still kind of drinking the, the uh, Republic-era Kool-Aid, thinking everything was good, even though the Empire was taking over and leaving clones as an occupying force and tagging citizens in their vehicles. Everyone was still kind of like, hey, you know what? Who cares? Life is good. There's no more war. Those dirty Jedi are gone. The Separatists are gone. Yay. You know? Kind of like society these days in certain countries where, you know, things have been good for so long, a lot of us forget what we stand to lose, okay? Think about that. Um, but the point being, in Kenobi, we're, we're going to see all the stuff the galaxy has lost, and, and I'm excited by that, probably because I am a dark person, and I, uh, I revel in, in, in misery and depression. But I, I want to see that manifested in the Star Wars universe, and, and Joby is telling us we are going to get this. Uh, if you like bad guys and bad things and, and, and hellish uh, situations and, and scenarios, it sounds like you're going to enjoy Kenobi. So welcome to being an angry human. It's fun. All right, so Joby went on to explain how perilous this time period is, in particular for the Jedi and, of course, our buddy Obi-Wan Kenobi. He says, those surviving Jedi, those that do survive, are on the run and they're in hiding. Invader and his Inquisitors are chasing them to the end of the galaxy. Within that hopeless, fatalistic world, we find possibly the most famous of all our surviving Jedi in hiding, struggling with that faith that defines the Jedi, and wanting to hold on to it and hoping to regain that faith within that sort of hopeless world. Damn, Joby, that is a run-on sentence, but let me try to parse this out. So... The first line here about surviving Jedi and on the run and Vader and his Inquisitors, I'm wondering if 
you know, I don't think they're going to do like an opening crawl with that information in there. But I'm wondering if early on, say in episode one, maybe before we even meet Kenobi for the first time, if we get some sort of light montage of the Empire and the Inquisitors, with, with, you know, Reva and, and the fifth brother and that, that sister we don't know yet. Is she the first sister? Who the fuck knows? Who's counting anyways? Who cares? But, uh, or the Grand Inquisitor. Do, do we kind of get like this in the flesh? Are, are we going to see snippets of Inquisitors just going around and striking Jedi down? You know, similar to that flashback moment in the Book of Boba Fett of Grogu's where it's not a full-on scene. It's also not a full-on montage, but it's a snippet of what was happening. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Do, do we potentially... Uh, even before we know, you know, we know the Inquisitor is going to show up on Tatooine and eventually take out Nari the Jedi, but could we possibly get some quick hits of them doing their um, insidious deeds to those Jedi in hiding? I think that would be cool. And and really, the, the, the second part of this recent quote from Joby, it lines up to what we've been speculating on the show, but also what has been given to us from the rumor and leak mills. I mean, Kenobi, as I've been describing, is essentially going to be like Jedi Master Luke in The Last Jedi. Hopefully he's not as angry and rude as, as Luke, but he, he, he's going to be depressed in the Force, meaning his faith has been shaken. He, he doesn't quite have as strong of a connection to the Force as, say, he would have at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And uh, he's struggling with that because he's trying to stick to his faith in what he learned all those decades within the order before it crumbled. But it's hard for him when you think about that he's living in a fatalistic world that is nothing but the Empire going through the galaxy, imposing its will on those systems and those um, humans and aliens that, that don't want to bend the knee. So he's going to be jacked. I mean, we're going to see a very, very sad Kenobi. You know, like sitting in his cave like, oh, why me? Why God? Why me? I was Mr. Hello there. I never wanted to train that useless life form in the first place. You son of a bitch. You and the living force caused this. <laughs> Oh, I wish Satine was still here. You know what I mean? So I, I, even that's exciting because as much as I love Kenobi, sometimes uh, even his arrogance in the prequels and, and the way he acted towards Anakin, sometimes you just wanted to slap him in the face and be like, you know what, man? Why don't you loosen up a little bit? You know, you, you, you were trained by Qui-Gon Jinn. Almost a hippie of the force. Like, why, why are you so serious? Why so serious? Why so serious? I actually just checked out The Dark Knight again on Sunday. My God, is that a good movie? Um, I, I'd say some parts haven't aged well already. I mean, it's, it's not even what... Yeah, it is over 10 years old. Holy shit. But just fantastic. Heath Ledger, R.I.P. So yeah, I mean, I'm digging it. Joby's really painting a picture of Kenobi that I can get behind. I like the darkness. I like fatalistic worlds. 
All right. I don't even know what the hell that means, but I like the way it sounds and it reminds me of Mortal Kombat. So I'm guessing we're going to see heads on pikes and spinal columns getting ripped out. You never know. You never know. Disney did add those new parental controls, right? So let's get some R-rated Star Wars. Yeah. All right. So um, he kind of goes on. And, um, you know, as I said, Obi-Wan's going to be depressed and angry. But he's not going to be full-on sad, angry Luke, which is good. So Joby explains this. He says, within that environment and that galaxy, again, the, the shitty galaxy, the fatalistic world, Kenobi's faith is tested, and he goes on a journey that allows him to travel from that character that we saw in the last of the prequels, where McGregor really felt like he was embodying Obi-Wan Kenobi to a pretty extraordinary degree, and ends with him as the more finished article that Sir Alec Guinness gave to the world in A New Hope. And so, in this very specific time in the history of Star Wars, when the Jedi are on the run, we get to sort of stand next to and watch Obi-Wan as he runs the gauntlet and has to survive, that was terrible, and has to survive a pretty extraordinary experience. All right. So again, for those of you that haven't really been following the leaks, and I won't delve too deep into them right now, uh, but we know what journey he is going on, or at least how the journey starts. And how it ends. And, and if you think about what we know, yeah, Kenobi is going to definitely experience some growth. He's going to go from not having a lot of hope and faith in the galaxy just based on what it's turned into to leaving and seeing that, yes, there, there are resistance move, movements happening all around the galaxy amongst inhabitants of all ages and all races. That's going to get him happy. Something else may even happen with some of the bad guys that I'm going to talk about here in a few topics that m may also give him hope that things can change, that people can change, that those that have even committed themselves to the dark side can change. So by the end of it all, and, you know, we have a feeling he may be getting a visit from a, a special guest at the end to just kind of say, hey, good to... Good to see you come back, buddy. I'm glad that your faith has been restored. Now let's get to work. And uh, we will see McGregor's Kenobi as close to the Guinness Kenobi as possible by the time this series ends. And, and I think that's going to be a very interesting journey to witness. You know what I mean, Nick? Yes, I sure do. Thanks, pal. All right, moving on to the, the final quote here. Um, and this is where Joby just kind of discussed how Obi-Wan's past, in particular his bond with Anakin, will shape his journey and emotional growth in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, so Joby says, Obi-Wan is defined by his past to a pretty great degree. I mean, Obi-Wan and Anakin share so much screen time together. They're so close that everything that he's experienced and everything that happened with Anakin cannot help but define him. And we meet a man who's very much defined by that history, whether he wants to be or not. Part of the journey of what he goes through is reconciling that past and coming to understand it and coming to understand his place in it. And that journey and the places he has to go emotionally as well as physically in some of those battles he has to fight are very much to do with facing that past and understanding who he was, his part in his own history, and the history of others. 
All right. So what Joby said in way too many words is Obi-Wan is going to have to come to terms with the fact that his best friend turned to the dark side. He left him for dead and ultimately created the monster that is Darth Vader. And he's going to have to reason with his past and his connections to Anakin to help him in his fight, as we've heard in one of the leaks, as well as to help him grow and become a better version of his own self. You know, I kind of read into this as like, you know, Obi-Wan's got to learn to let go of what happened to Anakin and can't really carry that guilt with him if he ever plans to make amends for those failures, all right? Um, And that's, you know, I mean, it it might sound corny, but kind of seeing a character like Obi-Wan go through a a level of emotional growth throughout these six episodes, that's what I'm most excited to see. I mean, yeah, all the fun, all the cameos and Easter eggs and surprises, those those are going to be great. They'll probably get me up off my couch might even get a bulge in the shorts. You never know. But, but ultimately, I'm very interested to see this depressed Kenobi go through these tests, reflect on his past, use that reflection to better himself in the present, and then ultimately set himself up to become more powerful than Darth Vader could ever imagine. So that's what we got to remember. Remember, this whole series is more or less taking Kenobi from a cave cellar dweller and, as Bat keeps saying, a potential spice addict to the wise and and almost jovial (laughs) old Ben we meet in A New Hope. And I want to see that happen because, uh, you know, Ewan always did a good job bridging the gap and tying the characters together. But I never felt, and, and he shouldn't have. I mean, Obi-Wan was, was clearly a different character during the prequel era than he was during A New Hope because of what happened in the Clone Wars, what happened with Anakin, and all the stuff we never knew happened off screen. We are now going to get to see that stuff that happened off screen. We're, we're going to get to see exactly how a- Obi-Wan went from busted down, hated babysitter step-uncle, whatever you want to call him, to the zen-out, chilled-as-fuck old Ben. You know, so chilled that he's like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard that, it's me. You know, he's fucking around, telling Luke lies left and right, having a grand old time once he gets Luke away from angry Owen. So, I'm digging it. I like what Joby had to say. Um, let's just, you know, at this point, it, it really is. We're starting to hit that, that time period where, you know, we're still over a, a full month from the debut of Kenobi. But it, it's just starting to feel like, all right, we've, we've read some leaks. We've seen a trailer. We've gotten official interviews. We've seen some set picks. Let's go, right? Let's do this. Bring it on. Come on. Alas, it'll be here before we know it. You know, if you're with me and you're getting older, you understand that time now just flies by. So I'm sure I'll be cursing when May 27 gets here and I'm on vacation. And I'm sitting there having a conversation in my mind of, should I enjoy vacation or should I cover Star Wars material for about 100 people? All right. 
I do have an update on that. I think I'm getting closer and closer to be able to being able to kind of just say, you know what, fuck it, on vacation, and we'll see what happens. If the Star Wars time show implodes because I don't cover uh, the Kenobi series, at least the first two episodes, then we will know that my OCD was correct. If life goes on and people actually go, oh my goodness, Star Wars time show hasn't done anything? Where are they? Are they okay? I can't wait to tune in to their next show. Then that is also a win. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm trying, people. I need some Star Wars narcissism therapy. There's no doubt about it. And if you ask my wife and other family members, I probably need a whole bunch of other therapy too. But obviously, we got to focus on the important stuff first, and that is my Star Wars brain. Okay, as promised, Hayden also got some uh, new quotes out there. Um, <laughs> it, sorry, we got a, a comment in the stream here. I, I, I tend to go to the stream a bit more when Nick's not here, just so I do have... Something to feedback off of, but Bat says, it will not. We will support you until you, until you pull the plug. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I will say these days more than ever, I've been considering some plug pulling. Um, but then I'm also like, well, well, what else would you really do, dude? Honestly, what else would you do? <laughs> what else would you do? Your job affords you a good amount of free time. So unless you start a productive hobby that could make money, you know, maybe delivering groceries or <laughs> becoming like a, a DoorDash driver. I, I really don't know um, what else I'd get into. So um, we'll get at it. I just want, I just wish one of these days I could get some of that Sir Dork traction. Um, Jared's in the chat here. That's why I'm going to, but he just shared uh, some stats on his recent video and updated his channel. I think his channel has been up for maybe a year or so, two years at most. Uh, dude's already hit 32,000 subs. Star Wars time's been going <laughs> since 2018. Still haven't hit 1,000. So, yes, I am starting to see the big picture here. Uh, plus, he's starting to get, you know, thousands of views right when he releases a video. So, Jared, once again, kudos to you. I don't even want to say I wish I had some of your luck because it is not luck. It is true dedication and talent. Uh, I think it just reminds me that I obviously am lacking one of the two. And considering that I can, uh, I, I do think I'm dedicated, it must be a talent issue. So one of these days. But man, maybe I need Jared to start doing some <laughs> toy photography tutorials for the Star Wars Time Show YouTube channel. There we go. <laughs> Something like that. Yes, Jared, I, I think we should do some sort of YouTube collab. I, I don't really know. Uh, how we could get your audience interested in my dumb shit, but um, I don't know. That that would be appreciative. It's just, I don't know. It's, hey, I'm a human. I hate sounding like this, but but when I look at stuff like, like Jared's achieved and, and he deserves every bit of it, I'm going, well, why not me? What, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? Is it the thumbnails again? <laughs> Is it me, the content? Do we not do enough? Are, are we not controversial enough? Do we need more clickbait type of titles? I don't know. I give up. It's not like you people want to hear this bullshit anyways. Um, that's right. It, it, it's good to see the fucking intern here. We haven't seen the intern in, in months, it seems like, but, but the old Kung Fu is in the chat today. So thank you, good sir. That's right. We, we've kept him in the gimp room for way too, way too long. He's back, and he's ready to get involved. And he's good for um, a contribution every year or two. And that's all we can ask out of our interns, because they do get zero dollars. 
All right, so um, let's move on to this Hayden Christensen binge the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels story, which I I just love. I mean, for the most part, this is a know-nothing story, but if you're a dork like me, it's an everything story. Uh, And this just released today, so my happy ass got this out right before I had to get ready for the show. Um, it, this, this again comes from Entertainment Weekly. Like I said, they, they, they spit out at least one article a week on Kenobi. And this week it featured Hayden and Ewan kind of talking about some of their prep, uh, that they did to prepare for their, what was that? Their 17 year, um, absence from Star Wars. And, uh, I, I just, I'm digging this. I, I love, I love what Hayden did for his prep. But first, let's kind of figure out what Ewan got into. All right, so uh, according to the article, uh, to prepare for his return to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan went through and studied and watched all nine Skywalker Saga films. So just the nine. He skipped out on Rogue One and Solo, which is shameful, but he is a busy man. Uh, You know, he probably had to quaff that beard or go ride a motorcycle somewhere. So he skipped Rogue One and Solo, but did go back and watch all nine Skywalker Saga films to prepare. And, uh, excuse me, uh, he did it, as he says, just to get back in the world. But to me, the interesting uh, quote that he dropped in this article was the fact that he said, it was interesting to watch our films because I hadn't seen them since they came out. Not at all. So, uh, what Ewan is saying is like, hey, we uh, made those movies. I might have watched a cut, might have checked out the premiere. But after that, for the past 17 years, I've acted like they haven't existed. Um, But he went on to see. So, it was cool to see and interesting to watch them and enjoy them without all the noise that was around when they came out. So, that is his nice way of saying, it was nice to go back and reflect upon my work that I was proud of. We put a lot of hard uh, work into, but all you Jar Jar trolls and critics out there kind of made the time when they released a bit miserable for those of us that participated in making the movies. So I'm happy that Ewan finally got to watch his Star Wars movies without feeling like a jerk-off because other people were, you know, shit-talking it. People like me, in fact. But I have made my amends... I am now fully one with the Force and embrace the prequels more so now than I ever have in my fandom. All right, so good for you and that he can finally appreciate and enjoy those films that you got to think. I mean, these people dumped, I'd say, close to eight, eight years of their life into it, if not more. You know, back then it took three years to make a Star Wars movie, so good for him. But But like I said, the... The meat of this interview is what Hayden had to say in terms of his prep. And I love this because it it shows me like, listen, dude, Hayden wasn't blowing this shit off. He was coming correct. He is coming as prepared as you could get for this timeline in the Star Wars universe. So Hayden actually was like, yo, I watched all of the movies. So all of them, Rogue One and Solo included, and to, um, you know, add a little more to his, his uh, research, he also binged the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. All right. 
how many other Star Wars actors, especially the movie ones, I'm not talking about like the, the ones that did work in animation and then went live action like um, Miss Katie, but how many of the other actors from the prequel era do you actually think sat down and watched all seven seasons of The Clone Wars and then four seasons of Rebels? I would say zero point zero. So the fact that Hayden got the call and was like, hey, I got to go back. I got to don probably my tunic again and the armor. I need to get my head in the correct space. To do that, I need to rewatch all the movies just to kind of, you know, remember how I was with Anakin, how I was with Vader, how Vader was in the originals, and then, you know, how he was discussed in the sequels. But more importantly, he had to study what is the most comprehensive take on Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship in all of Star Wars, and that's the Clone Wars. And I've said this a million times on this silly little show that, to me, the Clone Wars is what allowed me to finally appreciate the prequel movies. Because the Clone Wars, more so than the films, had the time to establish Anakin as a Jedi Knight and as a peer to Obi-Wan Kenobi versus a Padawan. And in the Clone Wars, we saw why Anakin was considered one of the greatest generals of the era, why he was celebrated as a legend during the Clone Wars. But we also saw how he could get, how he could let his skills and arrogance creep in and affect his emotions, and at times, cross into the dark side. You know, a lot of the stuff he did, I think it was with Clovis and Padme and the jealousy he felt. And, you know, he would physically fight the guy. Those were great moments to see Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker live through. Um, And then just the moments of of Anakin and Obi-Wan being generals and the heroics they pulled off. So by Hayden going through and rewatching all that, it, it gives him so much material to draw from. When he showed up to play Anakin again and ultimately Darth Vader. Because we all know it's going to happen. Ewan has more or less said it without saying it. We've heard some of the leaks. We are going to get some flashbacks and there's going to be at least one that takes place during the prequels. So I think Hayden's new insights into how, you know, just how Anakin was during the Clone Wars. Because you got to remember... Hayden only played Anakin at the very start of the Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones, like literally day one of the Clone Wars, and then the last few days of the Clone Wars. Hayden didn't get to play the character through the three full years of the wars themselves. That's what the Clone Wars animated series was for, and that's why Hayden going through that and studying it and seeing how Anakin and Obi-Wan and how Anakin and Padme interacted and Anakin and Ahsoka, I just find that to be brilliant prep for someone that has been disconnected from filmmaking in general, but Star Wars itself for 17 years. And I think it is going to, I mean, I keep saying is going to, I mean, he's, he's already <laughs> performed the role. I, I think it's going to make his performance uh, hopefully as as flashback Anakin, 10 times better, 10 times more uh, emotionally impactful than we got in the prequel movies. So kudos to him. And the fact that he then took it a step further and then watched Rebels, which I also think was very important for Kenobi prep, 
because A, the Inquisitors were introduced in Rebels, so clearly he needed to get some kind of understanding of who they are and how they operated and how Vader was in control of them. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of good moments, a lot of good Vader moments in Rebels that I could see being helpful for an actor trying to figure out, all right, well, this version of Vader is, is part Rebels Vader, but also part, uh, you know, uh, young Vader. Uh, not quite the 32-year-old Vader we're going to see in Kenobi, but, you know, not, not much older, only, only a few years beyond. Uh, so I, I, I really think Hayden doing this, going through and, and studying Clone Wars and Rebels was just, it, it's just awesome. And it shows that he's, he's not, he didn't just phone this shit in. It meant something to him to come back and reprise the roles of Anakin and Vader. And that's all we can ask of our Star Wars actors. Not that I feel like any Star Wars actor has kind of showed up and, and taken things for granted and just kind of you know, half-assed their portrayal. Um, but this operation by Hayden really feels like he was like, you know what, fuck this. I am going to come correct. I've heard all these fans screaming about the Clone Wars and how awesome Anakin is, is in it and how it redeems Anakin and, and how he was portrayed in the, in the prequels and it, it makes his turn to the dark side feel much more earned than just the prequels can. Uh, so kudos to him and it should benefit us as fans in spades. Um, I, I really do. Um, I really do feel like this prep was key. Um, anyways, I, I just gave you a lot of what I thought about his prep here. Here's what he said about the animated series. It was interesting. They did a lot with these characters in those shows and they did further explore their relationship. There was interesting stuff there to learn about. It was great fun getting to go back and reimmerse yourself in this world that just continues to grow and become more and more vast. So, again, I do think he, he probably took from the Clone Wars and, and, and possibly even bits from the Rebels to bring Anakin back to life and then ultimately Vader. So, loved reading this today. I, I know it doesn't really give us much more to speculate on, on what's going to happen in Kenobi, um, but it, it, I think it should make us all feel that much more hyped and confident that Hayden is going to be bringing his A-plus game once Kenobi hits on May 27. So sticking with Kenobi, because that's all things Star Wars these days. I mean, it is funny, like, Andor, hello, hello, Diego, are you out there paging Mr. Luna? I think Andor's coming out party is probably going to be celebration, but it is funny how it's just like nothing. You get nothing on it, nothing zilch. Um, but Kenobi, obviously it's the darling right now. It's, it's the, the next to release. So they're going hard on it. And this next story comes from a red carpet interview of Rupert friend who is playing the grand inquisitor in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, uh, you know, he was out pimping some other, I think some Netflix show and, uh, the, who I want to give them credit. The Hey, you guys, YouTube channel hit him up and asked him about star Wars. And clearly he couldn't say much, but what he did drop was, I don't know, it, it, it's exciting. If not, 
we, we, we know. We know, Rupert, but I'm glad you confirmed for us. So, um, here, here's his full comment on being asked about Kenobi. If it's possible to be any more excited, thank folks already, than folks already are. Sorry, I'm just reading as written. I would be. So he's telling us we're not hyped enough. Right? Could, could this just be an actor trying to pump things up? Maybe. I think some would argue that Ming-Na and Tamara might have went uh, a little overboard with their hype based on how they reacted to the book of Boba Fett, but that's a personal decision. For me, I was pleased with book. Um, but in terms of like, oh my God, it's going to be so crazy, your face is going to melt, I think they, they probably overhyped a little too much on that front. But what Rupert's saying here is like, listen, it, it, if it's possible, possible to be any more excited than people already are, then you should plan on that being a true possibility. He went on to say, I think it's one of the most thrilling additions to the Star Wars canon. I think Ewan McGregor is doing things with that role that is a dream for fans of the original films. We can't obviously have Alec Guinness back, but I just think Ewan was absolutely born to play that part. But wonderful cameos from people I obviously can't tell you, Easter eggs galore, and yeah, it's a thrilling ride. I mean, right there, you, you, got, your, you got your quotes for the box art. Just throw that up there on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Rupert Friend, it's a thrilling ride. Rupert Friend, Easter eggs galore. Rupert Friend, wonderful cameos. All right, some great little buzz phrases there for Kenobi. So I think the things that interest me in this quote are how he describes Ewan. I, I, I don't think this is just actor on actor ball licking. I think he is being genuine here saying, you know, Ewan may very well have uh, given us his best turn yet as Obi-Wan Kenobi in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's excellent. And, and I could totally see it. Um, I, I mean, if you think about it, and this is no shit talking on the maker, I mean, his, his own cast and crew will tell you this, he isn't the most informative actor's director, meaning he doesn't give them much to go on, much feedback. It's very, you know, hey, yeah, do this, or just read the lines, you can, you know, just read the script, and they do it. Um, where, you know, if you, if you consider it now, Ewan himself is older, a much more seasoned actor, so naturally his skill set's probably going to be much more ranging. Uh, but he's also working with, with, with Deborah Cho and, and new filmmakers that aren't George Lucas. So, yeah, it's not far-fetched to think that this could be the best Ewan McGregor performance of Obi-Wan Kenobi to date. Uh, he's... He's, he's better equipped. He's got better uh, kind of support, supporting players around him, in particular with the director. And like I said, no knock on George. He's a genius. Without George, we don't have this stuff. Um, but, you know, look, look it up. You'll find plenty of them, from Mark Hamill to Harrison Ford to Carrie Fisher, all said, hey, we love George, but, you know, he's, he's very succinct as a director and not the best actor's director. And that can affect the way a, a, an actor's performance comes off on screen. So um, the other thing, I mean, I think we know some of the cameos. I mean, some of them have come through leaks, such as the bounty hunter we talked about. 
what, what could be some other ones that would make sense? Let's think about this. This is where not having a Nick kind of comes into play. So if you're listening on the stream, I know you're probably a few seconds behind me. But outside the Bounty Hunter cameo that we have already discussed on this show, what other cameos do you think would make sense? Uh, I mean, Qui-Gon, clearly. Uh, I think it's funny there's a story going around today. I didn't even cover it just because it's ridiculous. But uh, Qui-Gon saying, (laughs) not Qui-Gon, Liam Neeson saying he would only come back to Star Wars on the big screen. Uh, He's too good for TV projects. Uh, I think we can all pretty much call bullshit on that. Um, yeah, we Qui-Gon is going to be back. There is going to be a Qui-Gon cameo in some capacity. I don't want to say too much because I haven't given many spoiler warnings, but we, we've talked about it on past episodes of the show that I'd love for you to tune in. Check it out, YouTube.com. You can find us, Star Wars Time Show. Uh, if you are new here, please subscribe. That way you can check out our back catalog. We've got like 456 some videos that aren't just old live streams. So check that shit out. Um, Bat's saying R5. Yeah, again, you know, maybe we could actually see uh, how the, the Jawas come in possession of R5 and potentially rig his motivator to go bad. Um, R4, I'm pretty sure, is gone, gone. I think he got, well, he got taken out or left on Geonosis. Um, who else would be cameos that make sense? Um, I don't, I mean, Bat saying Jar Jar, that, that'd be an interesting cameo. I, I don't quite know how we'd work that out. I mean, is this the, the homeless Jar Jar we've heard about that I, I think is canon? I mean, has he made it to Tatooine? Is he chilling on Naboo somewhere? Does, does Obi-Wan just randomly run into him on some other planet? Is Jar Jar with one of these resistance cells, you know, has he finally got his, thumb out of his ass and realizing that he was the reason the galaxy crumbled in the first place because of emergency powers and getting worked by Palpatine. Um, I, you know, one that I, a lot of people are like, Oh, I think that's Hondo from the trailer. It's not Hondo in the trailer, but Hondo could definitely be a character that makes sense to show up in Kenobi. Uh, they had their run-ins multiple times in, in the clone wars. Uh, knowing where Kenobi's going, he's got to go off-world and get mixed up in spice dens with other uh, scoundrel types. You know, obviously, Hondo would make sense. Uh, I, I could even... Again, I don't think it... I don't know how it fits into the story, but I've, I've heard rumblings about potential Saul Guerrera cameos with some of these resistance pockets out there. Um, who else? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could argue that there could be a Bo-Katan cameo uh, through her tie, you know, her sister Satine. I know she's gone, but, you know, Bat brings up a good point. I mean, we we could get a lot of cameos and flashbacks, so clones. Do we get a Cody? Do we get a Rex? Uh, Cody obviously would make more sense for Kenobi versus Rex, but maybe there is a moment where, you know, this would kind of be a dream moment for fans where not only do we get flashbacks with Anakin and Obi-Wan as generals, but their main clones are with them. Their commanders, their captains, and Rex and Cody. Those would be nice cameos. Um, Han Solo and Chewbacca, I, uh, they definitely could be missed and, and it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, but again, seeing one of them in a scoundrel type of location, 
would be kind of neat. But you, you got to think this takes place two years prior to Solo, I believe. So they haven't quite had their adventure yet. So Han would still be on Corellia. And for all we know, poor Chewbacca is potentially still locked up and in servitude to the Empire. So I, I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, Solo or Chewie, to me, just don't make a ton of sense for Kenobi. But thank you. I, I need this. So keep, keep throwing any suggestions to me in the live stream chat if you can. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, young Chewie, but why? Th that's the point I always get to. Like, you know, it's fun to just throw names out there, but w what purpose would a young Chewie serve in an Obi-Wan Kenobi story where we know that the main story is to take him from depressed in a cave to hopeful and ready to do the work to learn how to become more powerful than Vader could ever imagine. I, I just don't see how uh, young Chewbacca fits into that e in a flashback or in the present timeline. Uh, Watto, yeah, Watto would be interesting, but uh, more so for Anakin than Kenobi. A lot of these names are coming from the live stream, those of you that may be listening on the podcast-only version. So, yeah, we, we got to think people that were close to Kenobi. I mean, hell, I don't know how they do it, but, but maybe we get our, our, our Mace Windu um, moment through a flashback. Do a little D.H. Samuel Jackson. We know it works. They did it in Captain Marvel. Um, I could see that happening. Um, Kiati Mundi. I mean, really, any of the Jedi. I, I, we would love to see our boy um, Simon back on the screen. So I, I'm kind of thinking more that way. I, I, I could see... I mean, if we had to kind of figure out the cameo quotient, if you will... I could see a bulk of the cameos taking place in the flashback moments because they're just, you got more to play with. Uh, things aren't as dire as they, as they're going to be in the present timeline. Uh, but who knows? I mean, outside of the bounty hunter that we've discussed on this show, uh, everything else we're just kind of pulling out of our collective star Wars fan bungholes at this point in time. Yeah, Spice Stick, guys. What's his name? Evazin. I actually know his name. and I believe It's something like Evazin Zango or Zango. And that just goes back to Nick's point that I can store completely useless information in my brain that yields no monetary benefit to my life. Huh. So, thank you, Rupert. Thrilling ride, wonderful cameos, and Easter eggs galore, which... Doesn't make me feel great thinking that I may be skipping in episode two, at least in terms of doing an Easter egg breakdown. Because if this dude's got shit loaded up, um, the, these videos and the time to make them could get quite lengthy. But I always like finding great eggs that other people don't, so I can sit there and pound my chest and be like, I'm the best. No one knows it. That's why we have no following. Hopefully, you're not bored of the Kenobi talk yet, because we've got one more tale to tell, and this one is, I'd go ahead and, and announce the leak alert for this one. I, I, I don't really think it's, I, I don't personally consider it to be anything spoilery. In fact, I know for, I, I know Nick and I talked about this possibility for Reva a, a few shows back. Uh, I think even some of you in the stream agreed with us or potentially were like, yeah, well, this this could happen with her. 
But just in case, want to let you know that th- this next topic is a leak on the character of Reva the Inquisitor, in particular her past and present and how that may shape her journey in Kenobi. But like I said, I- I'm almost positive yours truly right here already speculated on this before the leak came out. Now I know that means absolutely nothing in the big picture because no one gives a shit about speculation. They want leaks. But it also shows how impressive my Star Wars speculative mind is. All right. Always got to get the narcissism out on the show. Doesn't matter if Nick is here or not. Okay, so just in case, uh, I'd say for the next five, ten minutes, we'll be doing a little bit of spoiler stuff on Reva. All right, so this comes from Making Star Wars, one of the um, biggest leakers around, and a leaker that usually hits, so that's why I'm saying if you don't want any spoilers, you may want to pass on this segment. Uh, because making Star Wars almost usually gets the goods and they, uh, it, everything usually comes to fruition that he reports on. All right, so um, a little bit about Reva's past and its effect on how we're going to see her in the present during Obi-Wan Kenobi. So according to making Star Wars, we are going to get a look at Reva's past, I'm guessing through montages or flashbacks. Seems like it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi flashback show. Uh, But anyways, we're going to get to see how it's probably going to be from her perspective now. So it's going to show it in a negative light. But we're going to get to see how she was taken from her family by the Jedi, then trained to fight in a war that many ended up believing to be a corrupt Jedi war. And then after Order 66, she is forced to choose between death or a life of hunting the Jedi for Vader. So it's clearly not too hard to see why she may have a strong hatred for the Jedi by the time we meet her in Kenobi. And this is a very interesting way to kind of think about the end of the prequel era and what is happening during the ascendancy of the Empire, at least for Force users. Because, you know, back during the Republic era, the Jedi would scan the galaxy for Force sensitives and then go and take them at a young age from their family so they could cut out all the shit that they felt would affect Anakin's training, and it did. (laughs) Uh, They would take them as kids to cut out attachment to other humans, other aliens, uh, and just attachment in general. Remember, Jedis do not like attachment, especially during the Republic era. Attachment equals bad. That is the number one commandment in the Jedi Bible, all right? I'm pretty sure uh, Yoda has that tattooed on his chest. Attachment equals bad. So, you got to think, especially for Jedi in, in Reva's generation, which, or, or yeah, Reva, Reva, who the fuck knows what she's going to be called, Reva today. I would almost, I would classify Reva as being around or slightly older than Caleb Doom, a.k.a. Kanan Jarrus was during Order 66. So, so think about it. She was taken from her family. She's then forced to take part in a war that many around the galaxy, and by the end of it, some Jedi themselves, I mean, we all got to remember the case of Barriss Afi. Why did she turn on the Jedi and frame them in Ahsoka? 
because she felt the Jedi Order was betraying who they were by fighting in these wars. They were being used. They were being manipulated, and she didn't like it. That's why she turned against them. So it's not hard to see why someone like Reva could turn against them, taken from family at young age, conscripted into an army, and then given an ultimatum. You either die with the Jedi or you live to hunt your former friends. That's definitely going to fuck with someone's psyche. That's definitely going to make someone a bit angry later in life. Okay? So that, that's why Reva is going to be kind of this brutal inquisitor and why we can see how a, her as a former Jedi can go to the depths of, of cutting off innocent people's hands, arms, and legs. You know, that, that's how warped she has become. Uh, you know, a lot of that's probably coming from the dark side and, and being in the Inquisitors, but it is sounding like we're going to be shown why initially she decided to join the Inquisitors because she, she, it sounds like she does kind of feel betrayed by the Jedi. And she did buy into the narrative that Palpatine helped sow, which was Jedi are bad. They're the corrupt ones. They're the ones that started this war to try and take over myself, the Senate, and ultimately the galaxy. So yeah, she's going to be an angry motherfucker. But making Star Wars goes on to explain that Obi-Wan is going to more or less understand why Reva feels the way she does about the Jedi Order. So that, that even shows a little growth on Obi-Wan's part. You know, for these past 10 years, he's, he's sat there and been like, you know what? I kind of get why the galaxy thinks we were the fuck-ups and why we were the problem and why we are being killed and no one is standing up for us. It makes sense to him. I mean, that's how good of a hit job Palpatine did on the Jedi Order. All right, so while he may not agree with the direction she chose, meaning going to the Inquisitors, it does sound like he is able to empathize with her. And um, if you know anything about Kenobi, he too was taken from his family as a child. So he, he is going to be able to share some of her experiences. And like I said, that is going to give him the ability to kind of put himself in her shoes and understand, wow, you know, this isn't something Obi-Wan would have done, meaning fall to the dark side and become an Inquisitor. But he understands how this could have happened to a fallen Jedi like Reva. You know, we, we get something, we got something very similar in Jedi Fallen Order with, a, what was her name, Trilla. Same, same idea. You know, I mean, she was a young Jedi. Everything collapsed. She was kind of left on her own. No one to turn to but the dark side to stay alive. All right. And this, like I said, this, this kind of, this is starting to get into what I was speculating here. Because in particular, I remember it, it was during the uh, trailer breakdown and we were at this scene where Reva confronts a, a lone gun wielder in an alley and people are like, oh, that's Han Solo. Oh, that's Honda. I'm like, no, you're not even close. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and, and I was saying, like, listen, it, I, almost, <clears throat> I almost feel like in this moment they could be talking and not so much shit talking, but talking about like, Riva, I understand why you made these decisions. 
Please hear me. You can come back to the light. Do the right thing. Stuff like that, you know? And I still think they're going to tussle. But it's almost going to be like while they're tussling, he's more or less going to be working on her and trying to tap back into her light side, which is ultimately, as we learn deeper in making Star Wars' report, may help him in his quest to take out Vader, which is another thing we speculated. Because like I said, when we're talking about this alley scene, I was like, you know what? Don't be surprised if Reva has some sort of turn where she um, sacrifices herself in the name of furthering Kenobi's adventure. And that's either going to come in the form of getting taken out by the Inquisitors or Vader himself. Okay, so like I said, love toot my own horn. (laughs) But we did speculate this before making Star Wars came out and essentially told us, yes, this is how it's going to go. So back to the story here. Kenobi understands why Reva is the way she is. All right. So this is why he is not going to strive to kill her during their various encounters. So again, they're, they're going to run into each other, probably going to tussle. You may even get some saber clashes. But to me, I, I feel like the Reva encounters will be very similar to Vader and Luke encounters from the original trilogy in that while they're fighting each other, they're also having a dialogue and trying to convince one or the other to the other side's point of view. Okay, so he, he's, he, he knows not to just take her out. He knows there is value, that there could still be good in you. Right, just like Luke said to Daddy. Um, and, and as I said, MSW went on to report that he is going to ultimately put his faith in her to do the right thing even though he knows it will cost her dearly considering she reports to Vader. So say what you will. I mean, you, you, you could look at this as Kenobi willingly sending someone to die to further his, his, uh, his path. But it, 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 it's also, you know, it's kind of the, what is, what's the saying when it comes to sacrifice and war? You know, you know, sacrifice the few to save the many. It's one of those things, it sounds like. Um, so it, 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 here, here's kind of my, my final take here. You know, they're, they're clearly going to square off. There's going to be some shit talking. There's going to be some revelations from Reva's point of view on why she's doing what she's doing. But then there's going to also be some understanding from Kenobi's point of view. And he's going to use that understanding to try and get her to do the right thing again. And sadly, that right thing is going to cost her dearly, and Kenobi knows that. So you could almost look at him as uh, almost channeling his general role again and uh, knowingly sending someone to die to advance the the betterment of the masses. Hopefully that makes sense. And I do think it's going to be a moment where, you know, Kenobi's screwed and she sacrifices herself to get him out of a jam. Or 
uh, I don't know, maybe maybe she feeds him the last bit of information right before she dies of, of Vader's location on that moon that we've discussed where they're potentially going to have their final duel. So there you go. I mean, it's... um. It's out there. We speculated this this could definitely be a possibility. And now through this leak, it sounds like this is exactly how Reeve is going to play out. Uh, but what I like to hear is that, I mean, she's a real character. She's going to have full development and an arc in Kenobi. And, and that's probably why she got the name and not just the number and um, why she's not going to make it out of this series because she is going to be um kind of the main it's weird to say that she's going to be the main villain but I, I really think she is until vader shows up sure you're going to have the grand sure you're going to have the fifth and the other inquisitors but she's going to get the most screen time is what i'm trying to say and that will be to help us as fans understand who she was and why she's doing what she's doing now but also to see how kenobi is going to use that to his advantage and sadly, more than likely, sacrifice her for the greater good. Um, uh, just a few last details here on uh, Reva. But we are going to see, according to Making Star Wars, we're, we're going to see. So like I said, it sounds like we're going to get a lot of flashbacks up for Reva. So she's almost going to be the dark side foil to Kenobi. As we're learning about Kenobi's past and, and why he feels the way he does, we're also going to see some stuff for Reva. But we're going to get to see how she was chased, caught, and turned to the dark side over the course of the series. So I could almost see this playing out like, we're, we're not going to get it all in one fell swoop, but it's almost like every episode, there, there, there's going to be a moment of reflection, hopefully not the old back-to-tank flashback thing. Um, where we're, we're going to get some insights into Reva through her past. So we're going to see how she was chased, caught, and turned to the dark side by the Inquisitors. And we're also going to see how she gets belittled by the Grand Inquisitor uh, to make her who she is when we meet her in Kenobi. And we've actually heard that in one of the leaks, that you know, on Tatooine, she's like, hey, I, can, I sense Kenobi. Kenobi's here, and Grand Inquisitor's like, shut up, idiot. How could you sense them? I'm the Grand Inquisitor and I don't sense him. But now that makes sense. I mean, if she was truly chained, trained as a Jedi from a young age, may have even ran into Kenobi at the temple or been on missions with him during the Clone Wars, she, she may have had a better ability to sense him. Um, but it also sounds like we're going to see how she is constantly pitted against the fifth brother to further drive her away from her humanity. So we're going to see in a live action portrayal, which has really only been shown off in the comics in just a panel or two, on how the Inquisitors would just torment their ranks to break them of any of their light side tendencies as former Jedi or former light side only Force users. So um, there's a good chance Reva may be coming out of this show with an action figure. That, that's how important she sounds to Kenobi and you know I think that'd be awesome because I, I I love her hair uh, I love what Moses's message is on her hair she's like listen I, I I wanted the hair to look like this so you know little black girls don't have to wear blonde Elsa wigs anymore at Halloween they can wear their hair naturally and, and be a Reva and I am a fan of that type of stuff even if other Star Wars fans do not like that type of inclusivity 
all you have to do is have a kid, um, in particular, a, a little girl to hopefully get the, 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 the big picture that, yeah, the, the world is not the same for everyone. Opportunities are different for the sexes, for people of color, so on and so forth. So I, I dig what Moses is doing with this character, and I really do hope she uh, comes off as being one of the more memorable new additions to Star Wars after her turn in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, that's enough of that Kenobi shit. You know, Mr. Hello there, he gets too much time in the sun these days. So moving on to uh, a very buzzworthy story that dropped last week from the um, lovely and very talented BDH Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, She dropped a quote that just kind of went viral within the Star Wars fan community and for good reasons. So she um, she was talking with Romper. And, you know, we, we all love her at this point in time. She, she truly is just excellent in many phases of life. You know, she, um, she's a beauty. You got to love that red hair. There's not a lot of redheads out there anymore. Love the redheads. She's a great filmmaker at this point in time. I mean, we, we, we have that proof already via The Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett. Uh, and, and really, she's... she's Tied to Hollywood royalty, whether, you know, you want to say she's gotten where she's at due to nepotism or not, that's up to you. Uh, but what I can say is she's taken the most of her situation and has has done some pretty impressive things with it so far. But um, she was talking with Romper and, uh, of course, Star Wars was brought up, her time directing it, so on and so forth. But uh, kind of out of nowhere, and, and this also is revealing... She gave us a quote on the Ahsoka series. Uh, you know, at this point in time, we, we don't know much about who is attached to Ahsoka. You know, last week, Nick had that, that story about the um, Into the Spider-Verse director is, is definitely going to be involved with Ahsoka, at least on an episode. You would have to figure Dave Filoni is going to direct maybe an episode. Uh, but there's really hasn't been any reports on who, who else could be involved in the making of the Ahsoka series. So the fact that she had a quote on Ahsoka, one, could lead us to think that, you know, maybe Bryce is involved in some capacity. I don't know if Dave is just showing her the script or if she has actually been brought in to to direct an episode of Ahsoka. Uh, But clearly she is in the know over at Star Wars HQ or Star Wars Canon HQ, if you will. Um, but here's, here's what she said. Actually, before we get there, I I just want to talk about kind of her early life and how she got exposed to Star Wars and how all of us as fans are going to be very green with envy and what her childhood must've been like from a Star Wars perspective. So you got to remember, I mean, her dad is boys with George Lucas. He's been in George Lucas's early movies, um, uh, American Graffiti for sure. Uh, so they're tight. So the, the Howards and Lucas families were close and friendly back when Bryce was a kid. I mean, that in and of itself is just something that as a, long, a, a lifetime Star Wars fan just blows my mind to think about, hey, you know, what would it have been like to... to to kind of have like a, a faux Uncle George. You know, Uncle George, she talked about, would, would 
sender Star Wars memorabilia collectibles and figures every Christmas back during the original trilogy. Uh, and, you know, just hanging out with the Lucases or George coming over to hang out with the Howards. I mean, think about that. And the crazy part is, if you think about it from her perspective, it was normal to her. It was her dad's friends. No different than, you know, our schlubby parents' friends coming over and drinking Boosh Light or Keystone or Schlitz. Except it's George Lucas and Ron Howard. <laughs> so there's a big difference. But uh, you got to remember, I mean, the, to, to those kids, to people like Bryce growing up, that was, their, that was their reality. You know what? Lucky them. Not so lucky for us. Uh, but that, that was neat. And then she also had a, a cool anecdote on uh, another foray into Star Wars and, and how she kind of got exposed to it. And um, she, she um, gave a story about how she... Uh, was girls with Natalie Portman, who, by the way, I, I, now that I, I stumbled upon her name, you know, we got the, what is that, Thor Love and Thunder or whatever trailer yesterday uh, that teased a shot of Natalie as Thor or Mighty Thor, and holy shit, unless she's using an arm double, Miss Portman got swole. Like, Sawal. I mean, she was doing the work. I mean, she has a defined deltoid to, to bicep separation as she's holding Mjolnir. That is impressive. Because Natalie is a tiny, or was a tiny, tiny lady. Perfect for someone like me. I mean, she was short, skinny, little. So I, I don't know. I mean, I almost, she almost to me had a, like a, a Kamal Nanjiani transformation. I mean, he still wins. Like I, I haven't seen, I mean, maybe Christian Bale with his weight, crazy uh, weight loss drops and gains, but what Kamal did with his physique for Eternals is ridiculous. I'm the guy went from like a no muscle stand-up comedian to I, w- I wish I had his body. I mean, the dude is ripped, cut, swole. Natalie did something similar. And it's like, I, I do. I bat saying there's behind-the-scenes pics. I, I want to see these. I mean, not, not pervy. I'm not saying, ooh, I want to see her naked, although I wouldn't mind. But, you know, let, let's see those guns. Let's, let's see them not in professional lighting because, boy, oh, boy, you know, kudos to her. As someone that works out seven days a week and, and has been doing it for most of my life, I, I know what it takes to uh, dedicate yourself to that shit. It's not fun. Anyone that tells you they like working out, they're full of shit. They may like the results and how it makes them feel afterwards, but the act of thinking about working out, getting to the workout, and then going through the workout, it's, it's not great. If it was, we wouldn't have fat fucks in this world, correct? If it was easy to diet and exercise, everyone would be in shape. So it's not. And uh, especially if you're tiny like she is, to add that type of muscle, that is boss. So good on her. Anyways, back to, back to our story about BDH and Natalie Portman. So anyway, she um, said, I learned about Star Wars first through the toys. Remember, Uncle George 
And when I was old enough to watch the movies, of course, we watched the movies. And then I got even luckier because when I was 15 years old, I went to a summer camp and one of my friends at the summer camp is a woman named Natalie Portman. Oh, just a woman named Natalie Portman. That's it. Huh, Bryce? Just a woman. You got to love it. Again, it's their life, not ours. Please don't look at celebrities as anything different than humans. They're just like us. We've just put them on a pedestal because they're on TV. It's okay. But right here, even Bryce is like, you know, I met a woman named Natalie. Like, oh, yeah, her? Yeah, we might have we, we heard of Natalie Portman. I don't know. You know, she's only been in mega movies since she was uh, in middle school. But all right. So, yeah, you know, Bryce is going to summer camps with Natalie Portman. But right after they were at this camp, she, uh, Natalie went to film the prequels. And since Bryce knew George and she was friends with Natalie, she got to go visit the set. So, yeah, BDH has lived a charmed life. Not taking anything away from her. You never know what her, her personal situation could be. I mean, when the cameras are off, maybe she fucking hates herself and hates her life and hates all the other uh, gingers in her family. But, man, what, a, what an upbringing. Hanging out with the Lucases. Getting toys. Hell, she probably has the rocket-firing Boba Fett somewhere laying around that she could sell for 20 grand. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, a friend, one of your camp friends just so happens to be playing Padme, Padme, and you get to go hang with her on the prequel sets. So, cool stuff here. But that's not why we're talking about this article. Not at all. The thing that kind of got uh, Star Wars fans' juices flowing here is she um, she kind of made an offhand comment on the Ahsoka series. And I say offhand because, like, why would she be attached to it? Or is she attached to it? Who knows? It sounds like she is, or she's at least seen the script, or has at least talked to Dave and has gotten some uh, highlights or cliff notes on it. But apparently she, she brought this up because uh, the, the people interviewing her, I guess they brought their, their son, and their son's like, oh, I was a huge fan of the Clone Wars. Uh, so with that knowledge in tow... This is what BDH replied back. Without giving anything away, you, as in fans of the Clone Wars, are going to love the Ahsoka show that's coming up. I cannot tell you anything, but what I can say is that you being a fan of the Clone Wars will be greatly rewarded. Whoa. I mean, that, that, is, a, that is a pretty powerful statement. To just throw out there. You know, is it, is it hyperbolic? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But what Bryce Dallas Howard is saying is like, listen, if you invested all the time into the seven seasons of The Clone Wars, or if you're a, you know, a big jerk off like me, and you've, you've watched it at least two or three times in full, you are going to be rewarded in the Ahsoka series. All right, so at face value, you're like, sweet, yeah, I, okay, all right. And then you're thinking more, you're like, well, do you, do you think she meant Star Wars Rebels or, or Clone Wars? Because if we're going off what we know about live-action Ahsoka, who's the one character she has spoken of from the animated franchises? Thrawn. So, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not a big reach to think that the Ahsoka series would draw more from Star Wars Rebels canon than Clone Wars canon. 
So I think that's that's one of the reasons fans were like, whoa, this is interesting. BDH is saying that Clone Wars fans will be rewarded in Ahsoka versus Rebels fans. Uh, because unless we're all just, you know, going to get blindsided here and, and Dave's going to completely ignore the Thrawn shit from Rebels, I don't know how Rebels fans aren't going to be rewarded in Ahsoka because it feels like they have to directly address at least the final episode or the final few moments of Star Wars, Star Wars Rebels and its epilogue. I mean, to recap for those of you that haven't been doing your Rebels homework, the series ends with Ezra sacrificing himself by allowing the, uh, I forget their names, it'll come to me at some point, the, the force whales, the hyperspeed whales, to essentially commandeer Thrawn's Star Destroyer by literally breaking out its windows and grabbing him with his, their, its tentacles. And then those whales suck them into hyperspace more than likely the unknown regions. I don't know about you all, but I feel like that probably needs some sort of resolution. And it, it felt like Ahsoka was the natural live-action series to resolve a lot of this, considering that in The Mandalorian, during her debut, her whole goal on Corvus was to get information about Thrawn from uh what's her name damn it i'm I'm doing terrible today with names I, I it's a good good thing we're not playing the mandalorian game today because i would not do well i know that lady's name started with an m was it like madra mara mad mad madigan phil mickelson mama monkey what the hell was her name anybody that ahsoka fought in the mandalorian Damn it. It's embarrassing. Don't worry. At the end of this show, I'm going to go ahead and give myself 10 lashings for this failure, but uh, maybe it will come to me down the line. So anyways, back to this quote, Clone Wars fans are going to be rewarded. All right. So if we take her at face value, what, what, what could that possibly mean? Does that mean there's going to be a heavy focus on flashbacks to the Clone Wars, in particular moments between her and Anakin Skywalker? All right, it hasn't been made official, but Rosario kind of gave the thumbs up that, that Hayden is going to be in Ahsoka, so if he's in it, he's either going to be in it as a Force ghost in the present timeline um, talking with her, or we'll get flashbacks from their time together as Master and Padawan. So that makes sense, at least flashback-wise, ties to the Clone Wars. Um, but... Uh, to me, I think things could get dicey going back to the Clone Wars, in particular for Ahsoka herself and her appearance. Do they choose to de-age Rosario, which would almost include also making her a bit shorter? Or do they just gloss over that shit and, you know, bring in Rosario and, you know, just try to make her look younger as Ahsoka? Have they casted a, a brand new actress to play a younger Ahsoka for a more... Um, exact appearance to her younger self in the Clone Wars versus her older self in the Ahsoka series. Um, there it is, Morgan. Morgan Elsbeth. And Bat, we know you use the internet machine to find that, you cheater! Cheater! <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, he, I googled it. There. You, oh, Jared had it first. <laughs> there you go, sorry. 
I take the credit away from Bat in the live stream and give it back to Jared, a.k.a. Sir Dork. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if, if she's saying Clone Wars fans are going to be greatly rewarded, guaranteed flashbacks between her and Anakin, but I could also make an argument that this uh, sentiment from BDH could also be paid off via the arrival of live-action Captain Rex. Um, you know, I just don't know what the old man is looking like or how he's feeling during Ahsoka's timeline. So it, it could be uh, live-action Rex as a, an actual clone trooper again via the flashbacks because, I mean, what were what? Seven years past Return of the Jedi. Rex was already an old fogey uh, going into Star Wars Rebels, which was, you know, years before A New Hope. So... I mean, he, he, he's got almost another 17 years on him. Close to that. You know, maybe 15 by the time we could see him again. So, I mean, th- what does he look like? Is, he, is Ahsoka pushing him around in a wheelchair in the Ahsoka timeline? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, it, it, the, does he have robot legs? Was he like, fuck it. Legs don't work anymore. I'm going to chop them off, go Saw Gerrera style or Darth Maul style. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, Captain Rex could be another Clone Wars reward. Uh, th- this may be, I think this is getting a little too far-fetched because we haven't quite had things develop in Bad Batch yet, but, you know, Bad Batch has already interacted with Rex. Rex was talking with Ahsoka. We, we know Rex and Ahsoka were already working with early resistance movements during the Bad Batch time. Uh, so, you know, could, could, could we get some of them mixed up in there in, in Omega? Uh, I doubt it just because they haven't directly established Ahsoka with Bad Batch yet. But maybe you get there through Captain Rex. But I, I could honestly see in Bad Batch Season 2, uh, or if it goes beyond, uh, Ahsoka eventually coming into the fold with the Bad Batch. Um. So I I don't know I mean it, it was a like I said it was a it was a very surprising quote from BDH for the reasons I outlined like does this give away that she is working on Ahsoka is she going to be one of the directors if not how does she know about it she she already has this level of access so it's like damn I wish I could become her assistant and then it's like all right well how will Clone Wars fans be rewarded because I I feel like Rebels fans. I don't want to say we're, we're owed a reward. I mean, the reward itself is getting a live-action Ahsoka show, so we're good there. But it does seem to me, on paper, that the Ahsoka series has more of a connection to Star Wars Rebels than the Clone Wars. But that's the magic of her quote. What could that mean? And it, it really, it has to mean guaranteed Clone Wars flashbacks with young Ahsoka, with General Skywalker. I mean... While they had him there, do do we is there any potential for General Kenobi also showing up? I, I I mean, let's be real. While Anakin was Ahsoka's master, Kenobi also played a huge role in Ahsoka's development of a Jedi. You know, I mean, he he was kind of you know while Anakin was the master, he was kind of like the the dad, the uncle. Uh, the, the more grounded one, in fact. 
So, um, yeah, there's a good, there's, I mean, there's, you never know. Like if they were on set and they're like, Hey, Hey, why we got you two here? Let's get a shot done for Ahsoka for a flashback. And you know, you got Kenobi there, uh, but I'm excited to see this. And, and really what this is, both the Hayden story about how he binged the animated franchises and uh, BDH's tease here. This is just, it's more proof for those that have discounted animated Star Wars, have snubbed their nose at it, have made fun of fans that got involved with it at the beginning. This is proof that that, that content is well worth your time. It's going to do, if it does anything, it's going to enhance your understanding of these characters, of the world, of the different timelines in terms of prequel era, sequel, original. It, it, the, the, the animation wing of Star Wars is a gem. Uh, it, it should not be scoffed at like it was early in you know 2005 and then 2008 when the Clone Wars movie came out and then the series like oh look at this annoying Ahsoka Anakin couldn't have a, pa- a Padawan and, and then eventually all those assholes were like yeah this stuff is great it's funny how fans get sometimes where they have these initial reactions based on things they've cooked up in their head before actually letting things play out so. While um uh, you know our question of the week kind of kind of revolves around your anticipation and excitement for Kenobi versus Ahsoka, I mean to me they're both fucking gifts. They are both gifts to Star Wars fans. Um, Kenobi for the original trilogy generation, Ahsoka I think is going to be for that prequel era generation, and and those that have just embraced the animated wing since day one just do it telling you if you've been putting off the animated um franchises make use of your disney plus subscription before may 27 if anything do rebels you have to do rebels if you have not because uh, of the inquisitor stuff and i think a lot of the a lot of the 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 state of the galaxy and how people are are acting in rebels will resonate with you in the obi-wan kenobi series okay and no, I'm not getting paid for these recommendations. So we'll move on. All right. Doing all right on time so far. I don't quite feel like dying yet. It, it, it always kind of sucks to do the solo show because, you know, I'm, I'm literally just talking to myself. Thanks to those in the live stream that are giving me some things to riff on here. But uh, it, it can wear you out. I mean, it makes me feel like I do sometimes after a three-hour course that I lecture almost the entire time. Uh, the, the, the shit, uh, wears on you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Bad brings up a good point. There, there's, um, even if you don't want to watch all the Clone Wars, I, 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 I don't know if they still have them on Disney plus, but they, they used to have curated playlists like, Hey, this is good Clone Wars to watch for, uh, Ahsoka or this, these are good Clone Wars and Rebels to get you ready for what you may see in the Mandalorian. So while I, I, I still think you should go through every damn season and every episode, and, and I would recommend doing the Clone Wars in chronological order, it, it actually is a better viewing. Uh, but there are curated playlists out there to just kind of cliffs note you and, and fast forward your, your knowledge dump of the animated series and, and how a lot of the canon introduced in those series is now relevant in the live action. 
Okay. So, uh, well, I guess technically sticking with Star Wars animation verse, we got a, a good rumor, at least if you are a fan of this franchise, we got a good rumor last week about Star Wars Visions, which if you forgot, this was the, the, um, the, the, the anime take on Star Wars that was done by various um, Japanese studios. Uh, it released in the fall of 2021. And I believe there was nine different shorts. Uh, oh my goodness. Excuse me. See? It's all that talk and I'm sucking in air and I'm just making my gas bag fill up and it needs emptied every once in a while. If I could do it out the bunghole, I would because maybe you wouldn't hear it so, bad, so much. But oh well. Sometimes it happens. But anyways, uh, according to Cinelinks, who has one of the um, poo-flingers out there we've talked about, I think it was Jordan Mazin or something like that, but according to Cinelinks, the uh, Star Wars Vision is getting a second season, and that season is going to hit during the fall of 2022, which is intriguing to think about, especially if you go back to last week. If you remember the discussion Nick and I were having, like, well, how are we going to fit in all these shows? You know, Kenobi going in May, haven't heard shit about Bad Batch or Andor. Uh, is there going to be overlap with these? We still got to get the Mandalorian out by the end of the year. And, and now we're getting this report that Visions is going to drop at fall of 2022 with season two. So I don't know. I, I mean, as a Star Wars fan, I'm not bitching. As a Star Wars douchebag, narcissist, content creator, I'm bitching because, I mean, I'm looking at at least five breakdowns or more of Kenobi, uh, you know, 12 or more of Andor. If, if Bad Batch matches season one, that's 16 fucking breakdowns. Visions, I, I probably won't break down, but we'll probably do another special ranking podcast. Uh, it's just like, damn. There's a lot of Star Wars content coming out in 2022, if this rumor is true. Um, so, uh, in addition to saying that it's going to drop anywhere between September and October, is the fact that uh, multiple studios will be brought back that worked on Season 1, uh, but it's not clear if any of these stories will be continued. Uh, so, as a big fan of Star Wars Visions, in particular, uh, one of the shorts, The Ninth Jedi, I am hoping that that studio comes back. Because if any of you remember The Ninth Jedi, uh, that was my favorite. I know it was high on Nick's list. But it was the, the, the one short to me that felt like it was a mini movie that was setting up a much larger world that was ripe for additional stories to be told. So I definitely hope the Ninth Jedi is one that comes back. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you want the black and white one to come back, the with the Ronin. Um, but I, I would like a, I, I want a mix of continuations, but then also let's let's see some new stuff. Let, let's see, you know, maybe a new studio gets a shot. Uh, but apparently they've been working on this since the first anthology debuted last fall. So. Uh, the whole rumored release of fall 2022, September, October, definitely could line up here. And um, I'm, I'm down for it. And, and this is something, this would be an announcement I would expect to get at Star Wars Celebration. In addition to, hopefully, more details on Ahsoka. We better get details on Andor and Bad Batch, at least in terms of um, 
release dates, maybe some footage, maybe some, I don't know, stills, something. Like I said, hello, is there any Andors out there? Just not if you can hear me. Oh, bat, no more Rocket Boy. Oh, okay, yeah, Rocket Boy, got ya. He's talking about visions. All right, and when I say bat, I'm talking about Batman. He happens to hang out with me every time we do a live stream for the Star Wars Time Show. How you doing, Batman? I'm doing good. Let's go. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I know you're excited that you got the, what the Batman came out on HBO Max this week. I think uh, as of Monday, those of you with HBO Max can watch the Batman, where he doesn't talk as much like this. That is the one thing I realized. Christian Bale really did kind of go over the top with his Batman voice. Very like this. Oh, Batman. I am Batman. And I'm going to kick your ass. I just won't kill you. Batman. Ah. Not that this is a Batman show, but I, I kind of, I, I need to watch it again. But I, I think I like uh, Robert's Batman voice better than Christian's. But I think Christian plays the best Bruce Wayne, if that makes sense. I also feel like, and again, I don't know if this is just a, a, a you know passing of time thing, but I really feel like the, the fights in, in Batman and the Dark Knight seem kind of slow and not as violent as the fights were in The Batman. You know what I mean? The okay. Batman. Okay. All right, let's go. Uh, what's the clock looking like? Do I want to talk about these comic books or not? Yeah, why not? I did the work. No one checked them out. I guess 35 people checked out this one, but uh, I'll go ahead and do a quick recap of these. But I would, uh, I would also suggest if you, if you like learning about new Star Wars canon, in particular canon coming from the uh, original trilogy era, I forget, was it the, the Age of Rebellion or whatever the fuck Lucasfilm calls them now? Um, but, uh, make sure to check out these breakdowns in full on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, but last week, like I said, we got two new issues. We got a new issue of the Star Wars proper comic and the Darth Vader comic, and they were both billed as Crimson Rain crossovers. And in my opinion, for the first time, they actually crossed the F over with Crimson Rain, uh, to the point where things are, Kiera looks brilliant in terms of her long game to take out the Sith. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of the, the, the irons that she has had just resting in that fire, getting, uh, you know, fire red hot, ready to brand someone or melt through metal. You can start to see how they're paying off. So real quickly, the interesting canon from Star Wars comic is the fact that, A, Chewbacca at one point in time, with Leia's blessing, was planning a solo raid on Chaba's palace to rescue his boy Han Solo. Solo! Not Han Solo. I'm talking Chewie, by himself, was planning on rolling in the Jabba's palace, blowing away all his henchmen, all the bounty hunters there. I mean, Boba Fett, he had in the simulation. Uh, Forlom was in there. I think Dangar was in there. Uh, but he planned by himself to go rescue Han. 
which we know didn't pan out. So, you know, I find that to be an interesting bit of new canon. You know, what, 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 why did he ultimately not do that? Was it the fact that Kira showed up on Leia's ship and said, um, yeah, uh, you know, I love Chewie, but he definitely shouldn't plan on doing that solo because he will lose. You are not going to be able to take on Jabba the Hutt's palace by yourself and take one of his most coveted assets from him. So, you know, you could argue maybe Kira was the one that led to the ultimate plan, which saw not only Chewbacca go, but Luke, the droids, Leia, and Lando all plan to save Han. The other interesting canon, and, and this is one I took some liberties with because the character is not named, and I don't know if I can find them in the... Let me see if I can scrub to it in the... Oh, here, I'll just I'll stop here because this is interesting too. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hit play too many times, or maybe the stream will blow up. But before I get to the, the interesting thing about Captain Rex, and you're saying Captain Rex in a in an OT era comic book, what say you? But yeah, just 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 be patient with me. But uh, another interesting thing here: this this orange haired girl. If you're on the live stream, we're looking at the Star Wars comic. If you're not on the live stream and you're just listening to the podcast on a podcast platform, just go ahead and go to our YouTube channel and pull up the um, video that breaks down this comic. But you'll see Holdo, who at this point in time is just a Captain Holdo, is now sporting fire red hair. So it seems um, Amelin likes to change her hairstyle frequently depending on her rank. Um, this is interesting, and it kind of ties into Crimson Rain and, and why Kira was with the Rebels. She was essentially giving them intel that would in turn help Leia give Crimson Dawn some business. And that business is something that Holdo was managing in the fact of using the crime syndicates to... Um, outfit the Rebel Alliance, you know, getting them food, supplies, all that type of shit. So Holdo was the one working with the crime syndicates to do that. Now Holdo is the um, direct line between Kira and Leia when it comes to getting supplies for the Rebel Alliance. So I guess that's also interesting canon. Crimson Dawn supplied the Rebel Alliance after events of Empire Strikes Back. So pretty neat there. But like I said, I want you to check out the full breakdown if you really want to get all my insights and a quick review of this comic. But it was, it was pretty great in terms of tying together some of the loose ends from previous Star Wars issues, but also the plot that Kira had kicked off in Crimson Rain number one. A lot of her plans are starting to come to fruition, and you can see how, like Palpatine, she's playing this long game and setting dominoes up that may not fall for many issues down the line. So dig it here. But yeah, there I I'm I'm going with this guy right here is Captain Ass Rex. So um the other interesting new canon is that Captain Rex knew the Damrons. That's right. See him here if you're on the live stream. That looks eerily familiar to that uh soldier we saw on Endor that has now been uh, classified as Old Man Rex. So, like I said, I, I took it upon myself, took some liberties here to say that this is Captain Rex, and he went on at least a mission with Poe Dameron's father to rescue Poe Dameron's mommy. Isn't that great? 
All right, so if you want to check out the full recap and breakdown, make sure to view that on our YouTube channel. Next was Darth Vader number 22, and this also was a good issue of the Vader run and a uh, kind of a, a payoff on some of the events that have been happening in the Crimson Rain miniseries. Here, there were um, two big bits of canon, the first being the fact that Darth Vader himself through Sabe and just his own ability to manipulate and plan, ended up commanding a Crimson Dawn cell, and he commanded the cell against the Empire. I mean, isn't that a beautiful thing? Darth Vader, in his mission to bring order to his galaxy with Palpatine, <laughs> this is, I love it, ends up working people to the point to where he takes over Crimson Don Cell and then commands it in battle against an, an Imperial Cell, which he also, through Ochi, set up to show up and fight. And in the end, his, his point for doing this was, A, he was kind of teaching Sabe and Ochi a lesson early on, like, listen... Just just because you take out the big monster doesn't mean everything's going to go back to normal and life is good. In this galaxy, if you take out one monster, many other monsters will rise to fill the void. And it was it was kind of a I don't I don't what do you call it? Would this be an allegory? I, I don't know the English term. I'm stupid. But he was kind of making a point. Like, listen, if we just take out. Crimson Dawn, you're going to have all these other monsters fill the void. If we just take out uh, Ramadi in the Empire, we're going to have all these other monsters fill the void. So the way he ends this lesson is to pit Crimson Dawn versus Ramadi's Imperials and has them kill each other. To the point he wipes out the entire Crimson Dawn cell and the Imperial cell. With the point being, like, see, told you, I'm going to use the monsters to fight other monsters. I don't even need to do this myself. I can get monsters to fight monsters. Do you understand me, Ochi and Sabe? Uh, so that, I, I, that was pretty cool to see how his plan, in conjunction with the stuff Sabe's been up to, all kind of came to fruition for him to take out some Crimson Dawn, and to take out some people that uh, may have wanted him dead in the Imperial ranks. The last uh, little bit of interesting canon comes right at the end. And I, I, I dig. I, I've really appreciated what they've been doing since the beginning with Sabe and Vader. Because it has felt like from the beginning that he, I don't maybe he's a creep, but he almost has a thing for her. It's almost like he, he still sees her as Padme and not Padme's double. I mean, she looks so much like her, it's almost like it's Padme to him. And it's felt like that way from the beginning, even though he threatens her and, and puts her in life-threatening situations. I mean, for Christ's sakes, at the beginning of this issue, he has her and Ochi fighting leagues of these sea monsters to prove his point of... Hey, I took out that big uh, aqua or Sando aqua monster, but now look what's happening. All these little monsters are coming in to, to try and fill the void uh, while they're trying to save their lives. 
Uh, he didn't try to take her out on Naboo when she tried to take him out with the Amidalans. He's, he's always had something for her. But, but what I dug was that, you know, he's like, listen, they all fear me now, right? After this episode of, of playing CD against the Empire and his own little band of, of assassins and ne'er-do-wells he's gathered to fuck with Crimson Dawn. He's like, they all fear me now, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you got it, boss. You got it, big guy. And he says to her, does nothing scare you, handmaiden? And she says to him, why should I be scared? And then you turn to the last page of Anakin Skywalker. So right there, the the final interesting new canon from this issue is the fact that Sabe was one of the only other people at this time that figured out or knew that Darth Vader was indeed the fallen Jedi, Anakin Skywalker. So I, I really want to see where things go now between these two. It, 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 does, does this kind of harden Vader and uh, make him feel like, you know what, she knows my weakness, this is bad for me, I now got to take her out finally, or does it further their bond? Do they keep kind of you know, playing each other to, um, for their own justified end goal or end game. Um, yeah, exactly. Bat in the chat saying, how many more issues does she stay alive? I, I agree with that sentiment, but I'm telling you, these two, they have a very interesting bond and they've had it since the beginning of this Vader run, uh, when she was actively hunting him down, uh, not knowing that he was Anakin. She actually deduced this through this comic run and, and talking to that droid, what's his name? I forget his name. Zed, I believe. Uh, I don't know. I just, I like this moment. And, and as I said, I love the dynamic between these two characters because you can see Anakin and Vader and, and how he treats her, even though he has technically tried to kill her a few times. I mean, that's, that's why it's Anakin Vader, not Anakin. But you can also see why she doesn't fear him like other people. Because she knows who he was and the capacity he had for good as Anakin. So that was uh, Darth Vader 22. If you want to catch the full breakdown, they're getting a little long because I've had a lot of feedback that you all prefer me doing unscripted breakdowns where I'm literally just a stream of conscious flow, meaning I don't pause, nothing is edited, you hear it as it comes out of my mouth. Kind of like I've been just doing now for two hours. Sadly, again, it's not really a skill I can monetize, but I've gotten pretty decent at being able to talk nonstop about Star Wars stuff. I don't think I have a ton of ums and oohs. Maybe I do, but I just have the ability to get Star Wars diarrhea of the mouth. Okay, I think I'm finally getting close to the end of the show solo shows always uh, get a little physically taxing and you might be going like oh you pussy don't you work out and i agree but i i challenge some of you who have have don't do it regularly to try and talk for two plus hours straight uh, it, it definitely taxes the the back the lungs the throat but I digress. People have much worse things going on in their life than I do currently. 
All right, so we know what time it is, and if you don't, that means you're new here, and we love to see you. Thanks for joining the show. I'll have some more information for you as we close and how you can get looped in. But if you are watching the live stream and you're new here, this is a great time to look down below my stupid face and go ahead and subscribe to the channel and check that notification button. You'll also see some links in the description section to subscribe to the show on various podcast platforms, which we'd love for you to do. Think of it as our, our Patreon. That's how, that's, that's our handout. We don't want your money. We just want your, your follow, your loyalty, your ratings, your reviews. Okay. There you go. Jared knows what I'm talking about. He's a, he's a video content creator. It's not easy to put the camera on yourself and just say, go. I mean, I can do it with a script. I don't know, maybe some people think reading a script live is harder than just talking. Both aren't easy, so give it a try sometime. Here we go. Oh, look at these. It, it, we, 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 things have devolved in the live stream between um, Sir Dork and Bat here. We're getting some, <laughs> getting some uh, dad jokes flying out. I like it. I like it. It's harder than it looks, Jared says. And Bat says, that's what she said. Of course, that's what she said. <laughs> uh, you know, Jared's got a huge member, the way he uh, lights his toys on fire and, and uses blowtorches for toy photography. That just spells big dick. Okay, again, let me get, ref let me get refocused here. We're starting to go off the rails. This is where, you know, my mind starts getting dirty and I may say something that could get me in trouble. Okay. So if you are new here, hopefully you did all that stuff I just asked you to do. Comment, like, thumbs up, all that fun shit. Subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Who cares? You know, if you, if you want to piss someone off and waste some of their time, send them our show. Why not? But anyways, we've made it to the fan segment. We're one of the only Star Wars fan podcasts out there that dedicates a segment of every show to our fans. That's right. And we give you two. That's right. Two opportunities to get involved on a weekly basis the first being what you can see right now is our top five and and we'll get to that that's our closing segment uh, but the other way to get in is through our question of the week which gets posted to our instagram profile at star wars time show every tuesday morning both in our stories and on the profile and your job and, and, and your ticket to getting featured on the show is to respond to the question of the week. You can either respond via the story or leave a comment on the post. Hell, this week, I, I don't know if it was the time I got it out or what, but uh, we actually got some Twitter replies that I saw. So we might see some new, uh, some new, new uh, handles during the question of the week segment. So let, let, let's get right into it. The hell's going on with my neck? My neck's like getting beat red, probably breaking out in something. Yay. So this week's question, I always try to theme them around some of the topics we're going to discuss on the show, but the question is, which series do you think you'll enjoy better, Kenobi or Ahsoka, and why? All right, so let's see what the people had to say. This is like our, you know, man on the street segment the hell I did. it looks like i did it backwards this week all right so here we go up first a twitter reply at jiff01 says kenobi 
for Kenobi, comma, for I hope it focuses less on fan service than the Filoni versus Ahsoka, and I really like Ahsoka. All right, that's a, that's an interesting comment. You know what you know what I mean? Because it's not like Jif is just saying, "Hey, fuck everything Filoni verse and fan service," but he he's hoping for a show that that kind of pulls back some of the fan service. And uh, I don't know, I I. I don't know if we can really call it the Filoni-verse considering how much Favreau has in terms of writing credits. Remember, he was the main writer and creator of the Book of Boba Fett. He's the main writer and creator of The Mandalorian. Now, Filoni is our chief executive officer, so I'm sure he has to vet stuff, but um, at least they're all blowing smoke up our asses. I I don't see this as Filoni telling John what to do. Uh, now it's probably more of a, a back-and-forth partnership, but John Favreau is the guy that created what should be called the Mandoverse. Um, but I get it. You know, we all attach Filoni to it anyways. So thanks for replying, Jif. Hopefully you're listening. If not, hook you! I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, back to the Instagram commenters. This one comes from SpaceX underscore photos. Can't say what I'd enjoy more since we haven't seen either, but I will say I have more faith in Filoni to craft an amazing story for Ahsoka. That being said, I'm still excited for Obi-Wan. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that statement. Uh, as, as Star Wars fans, we really haven't seen anything Joby Harold related in the Star Wars universe. So it is going to be a... A, a new writer and really a, I mean, Deborah's not new to directing Star Wars, but uh, directing every episode. So I don't think SpaceX is, is far off in, in saying that, you know, you, you can almost take it to the bank that you're going to get that felony level care in Ahsoka. So that's kind of an easy choice. Um, me, like in terms of this question, this is, it's tough, uh, as a star Wars nut that loves everything and, and will watch anything. Uh, I'm ex I'm, uh, I'm excited for both. I guess right now I am more excited for Kenobi because of the Vader potential. So there you go. That's my take on the question. Next, hey, Scion made the, um, question of the week, Scion XTC. That's a tough question. Hey. I'm a tough type guy. I know I'll enjoy both, but I think I'll enjoy Kenobi more because it feels newer and fresher since we haven't seen anything about Kenobi since the prequels and Ahsoka we've seen more of recently from Clone Wars, Mando, and Book of Boba. Woo! <gasps> Scion. Come on, man. Give me some periods or a comma somewhere. <laughs> Remember, we read them as we see them. Or at least I do. Sometimes... Nick's, Nick reads them, and they're even more fucked up sounding than they were written. But that's why I like Nick reading them. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. That makes sense, Sion. That's, that is a great point. I mean, we, we have uh, seen a lot more live-action Ahsoka these past few years than we have Kenobi. So it is time for the beard to get some um, time in the limelight again. Oh. I even I even let uh, Bat in here two seven nine seven underscore studios. For me, it was Kenobi easy until the recent Clone Wars announcement from Bryce. Now I'm torn. The OT fan in me leans towards Kenobi, but Ahsoka is a close second. 
I mean, Vader in the early years and pissed off. Who could ask for more? Either way, I hope we get some answers to what happened with Cody, too. So, I'll stick with Kenobi. There you go. Kenobi type of guy. And yeah, I'm with you, man. Like I said, it's not not really for Cody. Uh, I'm more of a Vader fangirl myself. And uh, seeing what has been promoted as a hyper-powerful, hyper-angry Vader, that... That that seals it for me, uh, 100%. Uh, I, I would love, and I can't wait for Ahsoka, and I think there's going to be some fantastic moments, maybe even some tearjerkers between her and Anakin, but for uh, someone that grew up in the, in the 80s and considers the OT my Star Wars, uh, I, Kenobi is the winner. It, it just... I've said this really since we learned about the Kenobi series being a real thing. It has the potential to be the greatest content in the Skywalker saga. And yes, this is, in my opinion, Kenobi is 100% Skywalker saga. You can't have fucking Luke in it, you can't have Leia in it, and you can't have Anakin slash Vader in it and say it's not Skywalker saga. They're all in it. This is the continuation of Skywalker Saga. So it's the winner for me. All right. And that's it for question of the week. Thank you again. Remember, if you want to get involved and hear us try to read your thoughts as written on the show, on the live stream, make sure to be following us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show and look for the question of the week prompt Tuesday mornings on IG. And now we truly are rounding third, headed towards home on this one-man show. Hopefully all of you have been entertained or engaged. I wouldn't so much say entertained because I don't really feel like I'm entertaining at this point in time. I feel like I'm just talking. That's all right. Some of you are still here. No one has sent any nasty grams to me. And no one has told me to go fuck myself. So I, I think we're doing all right. Which means it is time for this week's version of the Top 5 Star Wars Artists of the Week. And the week covers 411 to 418. Alright, so from last Monday to yesterday. And real quick, because I doubt there are any new people. But if you are new here, and you want to get mixed up in the fan segment, like I said, you have the question of the week. If, if you don't want to get messed up in being a Star Wars artist... Uh, but that is your other avenue to Star Wars Time Show success. Um, throughout the week, if you create Star Wars content of any flavor, any variety, I know we're heavy on toy photography because that used to be something that I loved and enjoyed, but I've killed that passion like I have with most things in my life. It's only a matter of time before I end up probably killing the show because it is another passion of mine, which means it is inevitably going to die because that's just how I do it. I go too hard, wear myself out, and then look at myself and the pieces I have scattered of my soul, and I go, why am I here? Why did I do this again? Why do I have all these fucking Funko Pops? Why do I have all these Black Series? Someone help. Help. I need somebody. Help. I want somebody. Help. I don't know the words. Uh, but anyways, 
back to uh, the top five. You want to get mixed up? I don't care what type of Star Wars content you're creating. Just tag at Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show on any Star Wars content you share, which will alert us. And I will look at the tags. I'll look at the hashtag. And every day, as soon as I get up and take care of my fatherly responsibilities, I will sit down and share on our Instagram account some of the more choice things using our tag and hashtag. Then at the end of the week, typically my co-host Nick on a Monday will go through all of those features and pick his five favorite, which then get discussed on our weekly show. So that brings us to right now, and it looks like for the first time in weeks, my browser can render Instagram embeds again. Good for you! Good for you, browser! Way to finally do what I'm paying you to do. So let's get right into it. What type of art are we looking at this week? There are some good ones, there's some funny ones, uh, there's some ones that I couldn't do even if I paid someone to do them for me. So let's check these out. Up first, a returning top fiver and one of my personal favorite toy photographers, and that is at visual underscore approach underscore photo underscore 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 underscore. Just just screwing around on those last few underscores. It's it. His handle stops after photo, but if you if you listen to the show, you kind of get where I'm going with this. Uh, the, the underscores crack me up sometimes, especially when there's like 5,000 in them. Uh, my favorite may still be Rippick Tan, who does a double underscore maneuver, which you don't usually see. Uh, but anyways, we're, we're checking out a recent shot from at visual underscore approach underscore photo, a.k.a. Sean. He's been a guest on the show and, as I said, one of my personal favorite artists. But it's just a fantastic shot of the Clone Wars Ahsoka taking on Vader on uh, Sean's practical Mustafar diorama. You know what I mean? Uh, if you are on the stream checking this out, uh, Ahsoka is in this... Uh, she she essentially doing a double leg kick off of Vader's chest, something similar to what their fight was in Star Wars Rebels. She's got her two beautiful white uh, lightsabers spread behind her. Vader's got, you know, he, he's kind of absorbing her blow with a bent knee and his sabers out there in motion. Shine uh, did well capturing that motion effect. Uh, but it's just, you know, I mean, it's just Sean's work in general stands out. Uh, like I said, I mean, he's using those. Uh, the background is mostly practical. If it's not practical, it's a painting for the horizon. Uh, you know, I think he splashes in some uh, some post stuff in here, some digital effects like the um, some of the burst effects here, some of the orange bokeh from explosions and flames. But for the most part, this shot is practically set up. And, and that's what I appreciate the most about Sean's work and the fact that, you know, he just has a great eye for things and he is a brilliant poser. That's probably one of his, his best skills. He has some of the best action poses and scenes out there, but it's just a great looking shot showing off what is a fantastic looking black series figure in that Ahsoka uh, in her Mandalorian-esque attire, you know, the Mando blue 
that she gets after teaming up with the Night Owls towards the uh, final few episodes of the Clone Wars final season. So big fan of Sean, a.k.a. at visual underscore approach underscore photo. Definitely check him out if you're not already following. Lots of good content. Damn it. Can't stop gassing. Mouth is loaded. I've been sucking in a lot of air today. Okay, up next. Uh, I don't know if this artist has um, made the top five before. Probably has been featured before. And I'm talking about at Jedi Diego underscore SW. And it's just one underscore, so I'm not going to have a conniption like I did on visual underscore approach underscore photo. Um, but the, the shot we're looking at here, if you're not on the live stream, it is a shot of the full Bad Batch. So Crosshair, Echo, Teak, Rekka, and Hunta. And I, I just dig it. I, I like the weathering effects that uh, Jedi Diego added to the figures. It, it, it's, in, in some light, it almost makes them look cell shaded. Ah, shit. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> At least, finally, uh, finally, one of my wrenches told me that on the live stream, I forgot to turn the damn browser window back on. Thank you. Thank you. Ben Stern dropped for you. Damn it. I'm an idiot. Well, here, real quick, for those of you. <laughs> oh, my God. There must be a huge delay at this point, because I, I just went for f three minutes talking about Sean's image, and no one said, hey, dummy, we can't see it until now. But here we go. Uh, this is the bonus of the live stream. Those of you on the uh, podcast-only version, you're probably like, whatever, we can't see the images anyways, but here we go. There, it's fixed now. So, uh, rewind everything I said about at visual underscore approach underscore photo. Look at the photo real quickly and say, yes, Matt, you're right. Okay, now let's move to the next shot. Now we're back on track. Sorry about that, live streamers. I am stupid. Uh, but anyways, we're talking about at Jedi Diego underscore Star Wars, and it's a, a shot, a lineup shot of the Bad Batch. And um, I, I like the weathering. I like the poses. And as I was saying before, they reminded me that I'm stupid. I the, the weathering almost makes the figures. It gives them kind of like that that cell shaded look. Um, I think NECA used to release figures. Uh, one that comes to mind is the. The purple and blue Batman from Nintendo Batman, like 1989 Batman. They released a figure that uh, the, the painting kind of still made it look like it was animated, even though it was a tangible figure. And that, that's kind of what Jedi Diego, at least in my opinion, has going on here. Uh, but if anything, I, I don't know if that is the, the actual Echo that's coming from Hasbro, or if that's a custom but either way, I, I, when you see the Bad Batch figures together, it's clear to me that Echo is the best mold in that wave. That figure just looks fucking pimp. Uh, it, it, it reinforces me spending money to get the uh, one six scale version of Echo, which, you know, at this point, I think we pre-ordered over a year ago. But I, I don't know. I just I love what they did with Echo's Bad Batch armor. I, his helmet kicks ass. His armor just seems better than the other Bad Batchers. So that's another reason I, I like this shot from Jedi Diego underscore SW. Make sure to give them a follow if they aren't already doing so. 
Yeah, Bat's saying he did. Echo's one of the figures. He's in what that wave that it's like the mystery wave, right? Where depending on where you live on this planet, you're either getting it now or you're not getting it for another year. And um, I'm pretty sure I am in the not getting it from another year because I, I do a lot of my ordering from Entertainment Earth. Thanks to some of you lovely people who have used our affiliate links. You know, I built up some credit there. But uh, as we all know, if you shop at Entertainment Earth, for some reason, they usually seem to be the last to ship pre-orders out. So uh, I don't think I'm going to see my Echo at least for another year. And by the time he shows up, I will be fully over Black Series. And he will remain in a box just like my man Bodie has done now for yet another week. Remember, I showed off Bodie last week. At this point, I think Bodhi just needs to become a giveaway because I don't think he's, he's coming out of this fucking box. Yeah, I get it. I, I, um, like I said, I, 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 I've always... I mean, Entertainment Earth has been one of my collectible shops for decades. I, I mean, I've been going there ever since you could buy shit on the internet. So I do like them. I, I do feel like you always have an opportunity to at least get stuff from there, but you are going to wait for it. There's no doubt about it. Um... Big Bad Toy Store is quicker than Entertainment Earth. Uh, Bats saying Dorkside is. There's no doubt about it. So I, I, I get it. But like I said, if I have credit, I'm, uh, it's worth the wait for me. Fuck it. <laughs> Screw it. Yeah, yeah, look at Bat. I'll take him. Uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm just going to give Bodie out for fun. I, I need to do something that's actually going to drive more eyes to the fucking site. You know what I mean? I mean, it is. Uh, I hate to keep bringing up Jared as the example, but and he deserves everything. This is not me trying to take away, but I mean, over three years and this YouTube channel still doesn't have a thousand subs, a thousand. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just the, the, the show is just not that entertaining to a lot of people. And that's fine. Uh, maybe I need to do like, I don't know, start doing Star Wars tutorials somehow. Or shit that people could be um, searching. Uh, but yeah, I, I need to do a GameStop that's going to generate some fucking followers that may actually stick. And not just like, oh yeah, we like you. And then they disappear like most people that listen to the Star Wars Time Show for the first time. <laughs> I know, it's a me problem. But one of these days I'll truly get the hint and just give it all up. So, moving on from at Jedi Diego underscore SW. Our next featured artist this week is uh, I don't want to say an up-and-comer customizer because I, I don't know how long Frederick's Figures has been out there sharing their work. I'm actually going to go right to their profile. Uh, but if you uh, are in the toy collecting business or toy photography, uh, at Frederick's Figures is definitely one of the... Uh, more skilled customizers of Star Wars figures at this point in time. Uh, it, it just, it, it, it's amazing what this person is creating with God knows what. I, I don't know if Frederick's figures is, is kind of franken figuring these things and taking parts from other figures and mashing them together or, or if this dude has his old, own injection mold and, and, uh, production lines, but it's it's crazy. And I'm just on his main page right now, so you can get a a quick global view of the type. Hey, look, he's got a Morgan, our uh, our forgotten character from earlier in the show, and she looks just like you would expect. 
I would describe, if you're not on the live stream, I would describe Frederick's figures as a, um, he makes like figure arts quality level Star Wars figures, um, one twelve scale Star Wars figures. I mean, just unbelievable face sculpts. Uh, this Leia we're looking at right here, I mean, this looks like the Hot Toys Leia, thanks to this face sculpt. Um, and, and it does look like he, you know, he, he's not creating all this stuff. He, he's buying from other creators, which is awesome. And, um, but the, the, you know, the paint jobs he does, it's just, it's just freaking fantastic. Um, but anyways, I'm sorry, I'm trying to monitor the feed here. It seems like some people know a little bit more about Frederick than I do. Love scenes custom. Apparently. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about his shot and what, what made the, uh, why Frederick's made the top five this week. And it's because of his custom uh, Book of Boba Fett Cad Bane, which I now have in view on the live stream. If you uh, have, uh, again, if you're on the podcast platform, you can always pull up the, the same post that you're listening to is going to have links to check these out so you can kind of follow along because I know it's not as fun when you can't see it. But it, it is a custom Cad Bane based on the appearance of the character in the Book of Boba Fett, and it is just a beauty. Everything from the, damn, from the hat on down is perfect. It's perfect in the way it looks, perfect in the way it was painted, I mean, this is just a beautiful set. And the best part is, you know, we got multiple different sculpts. It becomes Frederick at Frederick's figures creations essentially become Mezco 112 collective offerings. Um, there you're getting multiple different head sculpts with different, uh, you know, mouth movements, if you will. Uh, you're getting accessories. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if Frederick sells this shit or just makes it to, to keep for himself. But if at Frederick's figures does sell, this is a customizer you want to get looped in with. Uh, they're, they're just great. I mean, the, the level of quality here is second to none. And I, I really like some of the breakdown shots. How you can see every piece and every bit that he used to craft this Cad Bane figure. And it's just spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So definitely get at Frederick's figures some love. They're sitting at um, 2,300 followers. That should go up by a factor of 10 easily. Um, it's just, just fantastic stuff. So that is at Frederick's figure in his custom Cad Bane, which is a um, definitely something I would love to have in my collection. Just don't know how much Frederick is charging for these little works of art. They really are. They're like little hot toys. I mean, let's be real. They're little hot toys. All right. So that is at Frederick's Figures, F-R-E-D-R-I-X Figures, for those of you that weren't great at spelling in your early life. All right, up next, we have a, another customizer, and, and you know, a, I, I would almost say a, a fucking Star Wars figure engineer in 
Landspeeder Luke. So at Landspeeder Luke, every once in a while, we'll dabble in toy photography. And I kind of dug this shot he took of father and son. And I'm talking about Django and Boba. And he shot it in a microwave to make it look like the very sterile and sanitary um, Camino in apartment that these two lived in while they were chilling on Camino. And uh, he, he's got it to where young Boba has Django's helmet on. And I, I, just, I just dug it. I, I, I dug the father-son aspect of the shot. I also dug the reason Landspeeder Luke did it, and which was revealed in his original comment, and he did it because the uh, th- this Boba figure apparently has a really shitty head sculpt. So one way to correct it for Landspeeder Luke was to just put Boba's helmet on top of Boba's head. I'm sorry, Django's helmet on top of Boba's head. Um, but it is, it, it's a nice moment. Like, you know, hey, Dad, you know how you know, Boba kind of talked like a psycho, in my opinion, when he was a kid. Like, ha, 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 hey, Dad, look at your helmet on my head. Uh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I just like the shot. It, it's a very simple setup, but I, I like the, the, the story it's telling. You know what I mean? Like, we, we've definitely have talked about in the past during the segment how to me a lot of times it's can the photographer if we're talking about toy photography can they tell a story using these figures in a static image and, and I'm getting that from this at Landspeeder Luke shot uh, but like I said Landspeeder Luke is more than just a, a toy photographer uh, he's out there engineering all sorts of motherfucking 3D prints for you too. Um, download and use if you join his his Patreon. Uh, but I know our, our friend here, Bat, a lot of times works with Luke, and, and they produce a lot of Luke's creations in the uh, 2797 store. So don't forget to check all that fun stuff out. But yeah, I mean, looking at Luke's page, just uh, the guy's a creator. I mean, no doubt about it. But it was cool to kind of see him uh, dabbling in the photography a bit more. So we, we threw him up there on the top five. And by we, I truly mean this week, myself and the mouse in my pocket. And lastly, for this week's top five, it's a, it's a Star Wars humor shot, as I like to uh, describe some of these. And this one comes from at Mr. underscore T-O-I underscore Zenigma. So Mr. Toys Enigma. And I believe this is a first time top five and maybe even a first ever feature on our Instagram account. But this, I love this scene that um, Mr. Toy Zenigma just created. It is, if you allow me to set it up for those of you not on the live stream, imagine being in, I don't know, middle school or high school. So you got some lockers, there's a principal's office door, and then our subjects are... (laughs) John Favreau in a suit who is holding Egg Attack Grogu in a sack. He's holding Egg Attack Mando's hand as if he is Egg Attack Mando's father. And then behind Mando, you see a stormtrooper strewn on the floor. So what, what this shot is, the story it's telling is that Mando, while at school, got himself in trouble by fighting a stormtrooper and kicking his ass. So his dad, John Favreau, had to show up and pick him up from the principal's office. And it's just, 
it's it's the contrast of that mini chibi style egg attack mando and it almost looks like a a one six scale john favreau doll it's just i don't know the imagery is hilarious obviously it's going to play better if you're on the live stream uh but if you're not you, you got to check this out if you're listening to the the podcast at mr underscore t-o-i underscore zenigma it's just a it's a hilarious setup uh, the posing between Favreau, Grogu, and Mando really sells it. That, that's where the story's being told. But it is. It's like Daddy Favreau had to come to school after the principal called, thanks to son Mando causing more problems in the hallways. It's just one of those brilliant Star Wars humor shots that we love to feature on the Star Wars Time Show. All right, and that does it for this episode. Woo freaking who made it through another solo and uh, pushed it to almost three hours because I have problems and I clearly need a life outside of Star Wars time. But it was fun. I always like delivering the gospel of the Star Wars time show. You know, it's more fun when I have the deacon here with me. But I'm a big boy. I can handle, I can shoulder the load by myself. And it is always enjoyable to talk to those of you that take time out of your day to join the live stream while we're doing the show live. And yes, we still love those of you that pull the show down after the live stream through your podcast platforms. I mean, because really, that, that's where most people listen to the show. So keep it up. Uh, if you do like the show on the live stream, you can always sub youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. You can find us. Uh, but I'd also ask you, if you do do the live stream, please try and subscribe to one of the podcast platforms as well. I'll make it easy for you. You either have to just go to StarWarsTime.net, which is our home base on the internet, where you can find all of our links to the various podcast platforms we're on. Like I said, we got a nice little subscribe to podcast link. You can click on that bad boy, and it's going to list them all out. You just got to jump to the one you want. And once you get there, if they offer ratings and reviews, leave one for us. The more ratings we get, the more the internet AI and its gods will favor us. Okay? Because clearly, we can't get traction through word of mouth, so we got to start trying to figure out how we can game the internet. Search engine optimization. How many ratings definitely plays a role. And the same can be said for YouTube. How many subs, how many views, how many interactions with a video definitely can drive traction. So I rely on all of you, the diehards, those that listen every week, those that tune into the live stream. You are why I exist. You are why I do this. Honestly, I, I mean, at this point in time, I think I've, I've, I've gotten old enough and I have another, uh, you know, enough stuff that I could kind of get into that I'm like, you know what? Why do this anymore? I do it for the diehards, for those that have joined the Discord and like to shoot the shit with me throughout the week, for those that like to shoot the shit with other like-minded Star Wars fans. There's always time for Star Wars time, right? That's why we are who we say we are. Because for someone like me, there truly is always time for Star Wars time. So don't forget, if you dig the show, share with a friend, tell them about StarWarsTime.net and how they can get linked in, and remind them that subscribing to both the podcast and YouTube is key. 
That's our bread and butter. That is our payment. That is cost of entry. We don't want your money. We just want your love and support. Hell, I'll even take your hate if it will drive traction. There really is always time for Star Wars time if you sit down and think about it. It doesn't get much better than that. The Star Wars life is a good life, even if it is a fictional life. But I promise you, we will always do our best. We will speculate our asses off. We will tell you we are right and you are wrong. Because this is the Star Wars Time Show. And if you do listen to it, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.